0: Oh. That's it, eh? We're already up. That was fast. Wow. That Kojiko Gigabit Internet's at working overtime. Good evening, everybody. It is February the second, 2023. It's February. That's terrifying, so that's cool. Um Hope you're all doing well. Uh I am uh I am indeed myself doing quite well. Uh bear with me for one moment. Uh, I had a bit of technical issues before getting this going. There was some weird noises coming through my audio equipment and so i had to unplug everything and figure out what was making the noises and fix it so all fixed we're all set we should be good um good evening uh tonight uh i just want to um first off before we get into this to the sponsors uh this is uh february's black history month and uh i was reading uh, a little bit about some stories um in black american history uh, that I was not too familiar with. and I just wanted to highlight uh, a story just for the month. Um, it has nothing to do with hockey, but I just thought this person is an absolute badass and deserves some more recognition. i want to I wanna just go quickly over Shirley Chisholm, uh, just for this one time to celebrate the beginning of Black History Month because there's some incredible stuff uh, in 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 Black American history over the years. Uh, so basically, Shirley Chisholm started out as uh, as 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 a as a New York City, you know, New York City woman. Doing the thing as you do, uh, and decided to start mobilizing women voters, um, and sort of just by virtue of being involved in the political community, sort of rallying people. She fell into becoming a political candidate. Uh, I believe she was uh, she got elected to a position with New York City. Um, she was also arguing pretty heavily in favor of working for, for for with New York City. Uh, to, to argue in favor of a multilingual society, trying to integrate a bunch of different cultures and basically making the case that, you know, it shouldn't be uh, like literacy tests shouldn't be part of uh, of, of some sort of citizenship uh, in the state of New York um, or residency in the state of New York, I should say. And that literacy tests are discriminatory and all that all that wonderful stuff that has that that now has uh, helped make New York City kind of what it is. Um, you know, she did things like supported uh, supported unemployment benefits for domestic workers who were who were full time employees working in the home who might be let go. Um, tried to get disadvantaged students to go to college in New York City. Um, she ended up getting elected to Congress. She was the first Black member of Congress from the state of New York, which is incredible. Uh, first speech on the floor six years before the Vietnam War ended. Uh, she did not sit down like a lot of junior Congress people. Uh, she got up there and railed against the Vietnam War and faced a whole lot of scornful looks for that, supposedly, back in the 60s. In 1969, she did that, and the war went on for another six years. She ran for president. Now, this is where it gets really incredible. She ran for president in 1971, becoming the first black American, period, period, uh, to, to run for a major party's nomination in the United States, which is incredible. Um, she faced threats throughout the campaign. Uh, she's on record saying that um, part of the frustrating bit was that, you know, even as a Black American, she faced discrimination from 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 Black men in 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 the in the U.S. government trying to sort of hold her back a little bit. But you know, she she felt basically that there was a hierarchy of discrimination and and that being a woman was was superseding. And this is a big part of the story of why people are 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 all rallying around Black women uh, these days because they are. quite marginalized. Um, But she ran for president. She won 28 delegates in the primary race. She didn't win, but she landed 3% of the vote in that primary process. Uh, And the fact that she was able to pull it off, like some people saw her as a publicity stunt kind of person, but based on the policies and everything that I was reading about her uh, standing up for and everything, pretty incredible stuff from her. Uh, She was the first woman to appear in a presidential debate on television uh, or a debate period, I should say. Um, she stood out for compromise, calling out racism and everything on both sides of the aisle for the entire time she was in Congress through the 1980s. Uh, just a wonderful person who I, I, I think uh, doesn't really get the attention she deserves for being quite the trailblazer in a time when uh, it would have been quite out of place, but a, a really incredible person. So I just wanted to highlight her uh, before we get into the, into the, uh, into the into the show tonight. Um, just was something that came, that came up, uh, while I was riding the train on my commute this week. Um, so, uh, sponsors of the show, thank you very much to McKean's Hockey for helping me out with the work that I do. Uh, Blue Line Hockey IQ program, uh, really, really fun stuff, uh, over at Marcus Gustafson, Blue Line Hockey IQ program.com. Uh, I have a guest spot there. There's a whole write-up that I've done there, um, that you can get, you can get 10% off with the code Scouting. And if you scan the QR code above my head or click the link in the description, you'll go. You'll be using my affiliate code for Fanatics, where I'll get a kickback on anything you buy in the store. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me. This is going to be a fun show. Uh, there's been a lot of work this past week with a lot of really fun players on the list, just to run through them real quick. I uh, started the week with Luca Cagnoni. He stayed the same on my list. I did a game of Kerry Terrence. He moved up a bit on my list. Uh, I did a game of Etienne Morin. Uh, he moved up a bit on my list. I did a game of Matvey Michkov. He stayed where he was. Uh, I moved Hoyt Stanley down a little bit. Callum Ritchie moved up a couple of spots. I did a game of Andre Molnar and he continues to disappoint, which is sad because I love Andre Molnar, but, uh, you know, was not a great game and I haven't seen a ton of great games of him, especially since coming to Erie. Uh, another game of my boy, Timur Mukhanov, and he moved up one more spot on my list. Uh, moved Dylan Rakoian onto the watch list from the ranking list. I did a game of Austin Roast. He stayed on my watch list. I did a game of Leo Carlson and Adam Fantilli and Felix Nilsson and Will Smith. They all stayed the same. Uh, and I did games of Dalibor Dvorsky and Alex Ciernik, and they both moved up equally. Maybe moved up four spots. I should also start. Uh, I should also say that this week I did something that I'm not sure other people who do what I do uh, do. I hope that sentence made sense. I don't really know. Um but basically what I do once every couple of months is I just torpedo my list. I I just blow it to smithereens and start over. Cuz I think I th- I find that I get really stuck with for forget- like almost forgetting what I think about players and like for like forgetting and losing track of how much I really appreciate certain players. Like there might be players in the third round that I've had a lot of really good viewings on and and at the time I'll go, yeah, I'll nudge them up a little bit. I'll nudge them up a little bit. But then I'm like thinking about it three months later and I'm going, okay, but I'd r- I think I might still take this guy over the 10 guys in front of them, but it's because they're locked down in that lower level that they're kind of stuck there. So I don't know if anyone else does this, but, but, but if you're out there, I don't know, but I torpedoed the whole thing and started from scratch. So the, the ranking changes over this week, I believe are about, 75 percent from the most recent list but not a whole lot changed at the top end i found um but quite a lot changed beyond the first round and i'm sure we'll take a look at that uh in the near future um what else is going on? Uh I guess we can get into questions. That's about it. That's all the players I tracked this week. Um so let's get into some questions. Uh Rob, hello. Oh weird. All the all the names are colored on my YouTube monitor page. That's fun. Uh the Sabres seem to covet prospects that it sell at puck protection and possession. They have three second-round draft picks. Who do you see as potential second-round targets for the Sabres in that mold? Very good question, and I'm very curious to see who the Buffalo Sabres pull out of their hat uh for this game or for this draft I should say uh let me just pull up my list so you can feast your eyes on how this has turned out um in the second round I mean if you really want to gain guys that are great at possess possessing the puck and 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 puck protection that might be there in the second round I mean Tom Willander might be there he could be a really cool guy to land on the defensive side of the game if you've got three first three second round picks you might be able to snag him a little bit later um, I'm looking at a guy like, I don't know, maybe Idar Suniev as a potential guy in the mid to late second round. Um, who else? Uh, I doubt at this point that Grayson Sochin is going to be available in the second round or at least later second round, but maybe. Um, I want to say a guy like Martin Mishak or Charlie Strammel might be up there. I don't know if Strammel will be available in the second round, but he could be a good sort of possession player big possession guy to have uh for for possessing the puck on the perimeter um i mean there's a lot of players where i also see it as like well they could be that if they sort of got their heads on straight right like a little bit smaller on the smaller side guys like will white law might be a nice sort of second round gamble who i think has really really good puck possession and the skill level is kind of how he protects the puck as well Um, dalibor dvorsky but he's not going to be there in the second round uh could be up there as well there's a few, um, yeah, but those are the ones that all come to mind right away that I might focus on. Uh, Callum Ritchie is on a hot streak and I've seen some EP pros- EP folks say he looks much better lately. Do you agree? The last game I did with Callum Ritchie was the best one I've seen him play all season. Uh, he was, you know, he's, he's a guy who, when I watch him, I kind of wonder what he's going to be in the NHL outside of like a third line sort of all around center like what he was doing in the game i tracked that was different was that he was very uh you know just making the right plays like all the time there wasn't there wasn't really a situation he found ways out of situations but there wasn't really a situation where he was lost or or didn't really have a plan his passes were very well placed um you know he i think i think he's trying i think he's not maybe not trying to do so much And I think he's sort of sat back and and sort of gotten into the flow of the game a little better. I mean, I I still don't know if I see a first-round pick there. Like, he's in a tier for me that stretches from 18 to 44. And I feel like if you drafted him in the 20s, like, I can absolutely get it. Similar to a guy like Dalibor Dvorsky, where you're like, he just does a lot of the right things a lot of the time. But in terms of, like, NHL scoring upside, it might be a little more limited. But I would agree. I think Callum Ritchie has has gotten better over the course of the year. The first few games I did of him, he just was very inactive. He was having trouble sort of driving results at 5-on-5 in any way. Um, You know, some decent transition numbers for me, but the last game I did, he was much, much more efficient and much, much better Uh, just with hitting his passes and and hitting his targets and making the right decisions at the right times. Like He just seems to be settled in, I guess, is what I would say, is how I would describe it. Um, but he, yeah, I'd say he's been much better. Um, could he end up in my first round at the end of the year? Yeah, maybe sure. Um, he it's it, but like this range for me is extraordinarily close and there's players with flaws, there's players with fewer flaws and all kinds of stuff. So he's, he's in that mix. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I usually, you know, you know, you know, me, if I'm not a huge fan of a player, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of a player and I'll, I'll say it, but, uh, the fact that I'm coming around and going, okay, yeah, he's been better. And the last game I did was one of the best I've seen of him. Uh, you know, I a hundred percent for sure. I think that's been the case. Uh, any thoughts on Carolina third rounder, Alexander Nikishin, his stat line is wild for a 21 year old KHL defenseman. Yeah, he's good. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if his nhl upside sort of lines up with that point production like i don't think he's gonna be like a massive point producer in the nhl but he's always been a really solid defensive guy with good mobility he's a pretty big and built dude Um, I think he's utilizing his shot a lot more this year from what I've seen. Like he's getting, he's just getting the puck a lot more in the offensive zone. Like I remember watching him when he was draft eligible and he wasn't really crossing the center line that often. Like, it seems like St. Petersburg is like utilizing him a little bit more, uh, as, as a, as a shooting threat, which, I mean, I don't see him as a massive shooting threat in the NHL. Um, but I do think that he could be a solid sort of defense first guy, You know, uh, I I don't know if it's going to line up to the production he's had in the KHL, but he's been, he's been, he's taken a lot of steps in the right direction. I think he's, I think he shows a lot of signs of at least being some kind of NHL player. Uh, I I don't think he's going to be like a top pair elite defenseman in the NHL, but I do think that there's enough there where he can at least put together some good defensive results and and the rest, um, and, and the rest sort of works itself out as part of a unit of guys that can finish for him. Uh, kind of like St. Petersburg. Cause that's how that team is built. They have like four first KHL lines, which is always hilarious. Um, can you name some dynamic centers with offensive upside that would be available towards the end of the consensus first and second round that you would recommend? Um, sure. So wait, what was the thing? Uh, dynamic and offensive. I, okay. Those are good adjectives. I like those adjectives let's just sort by average rank. Um, this is as up to date as I can get it. Um, and these are players, the average ranks here are all the players ranked four or more times. Um, so it might be a little more noisy than the other ones, the, the graph that I post. Uh, but yeah, so end of the first round or early second round, um, dynamic centers with offensive upside. Uh, hmm otto stenberg might be a really good option there uh i feel like he could slip to the second round and he would be a really good option um who else i mean i like Timur Mukhanov, but he doesn't really play center. he hasn't really been playing center this year bradley nadeau could be a good one grayson sochin could be a really good one but i think he's been playing wing most of the year let me double check that uh let me double check double check yeah he's been playing wing every time i've seen him um, I think the same goes for Denver Barky. Um, and he might even be able to, you may be able to get him later. Uh, I, Luca Pinelli's kind of alternated around a little bit, but he might be an option. Um, I mean, I don't know to keep it simple. I would say, I mean, will Whitelaw, but I don't know if he's going to project as a center. I'd say Stenberg is an easy one. Uh, if you wanted sort of a high upside early second round pick, um, that's probably the one that jumps out the most to me and who's the other one uh i don't know i just talked about him i must have now that i'm looking at this there's not a ton oh bradley nadeau was the other one those are the probably the ones that i would look at first um odds the leafs go all out and trade for timo meyer at the deadline and then flip him at the draft to recoup assets maybe i mean i get like look the way i see it is Paying a ton at the deadline, like the playoffs are a crapshoot anyway, right? Like the Leafs don't really have that much in futures that I feel like San Jose would want, or that would be like massive game changers for them. Like unless you trade a Matt Nyes, but like I don't know. To me, Matt Nyes might be on the Leafs in the in the in the playoffs, and you know, yeah, Timo Meyer's a sick player for sure, but it's no guarantee. Like the Leafs have gone out and spent at the deadline before, and it just hasn't really moved the needle all that much. Meyer's a little bit of a different story, but man, I don't know. I, I I also feel like at some point Kyle Dubas is going to go, yeah, I'm not sure I want to pay that price. And someone else is going to just like, just go completely over the, over the top, uh, for Timo Meyer. Like, Flipping him, if they do get him and flip him at the draft to recoup assets, then like, cool, that's that would be fun. I don't know what the heck they would get, but, you know, like, it does remove, I think, some leverage from Toronto because they're, they're the ones who are like, well, we want to get rid of him now. And teams are like, well, you want to get rid of him now, so why would we pay the kind of price that you paid? to get him in the first place, and then you end up, you know, and if the Leafs get bounced in the second round, then, like, what was all the work for? So, I don't know. I'm always more of a fan of trusting the guys in the room that you've got, especially when your team is already so good. Like, they lost last night, whatever, but they're still doing really well in terms of the regular season. They nearly beat the Tampa Bay Lightning last year without needing to go out and make a big acquisition at the deadline. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting to think about what they could do, uh, but. I get the feeling that Meyer might be a bit of a long shot, especially considering that there might be other teams that might be more willing to pay a lot more just to get their guy, uh, and take the risk. Cause I don't, Kyle Dubas doesn't strike me as a person who like really takes on more risk than he should. Like I think that Nick Felino trade was probably about as risky as he gets and it did not work out. I don't know. I may, but that's just me. Um, If we go to the meme timeline where Montreal picks one and two due to both the Habs and Cats (laughs) picks winning the lottery, would you consider trading second overall if you were Hughes? No, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the deal, right? Like, what would I trade second overall for? Like, if Edmonton wants to trade me Connor McDavid, I'm trading the second overall pick, right? Like, I really like Adam Fantilli. I think in I would say any draft, I'd say 2020, 2021, 2022 um probably not 2019 but he would really push jack hughes 2018 mm, him and Daleen again i'd say would be neck and neck for me 2017 i feel like he'd go first overall that year like in a lot of years he's either right there at first overall discussion or second overall and i just have a hard like i love adam fantilly's game i think that the it's not perfect but boy it, it could get real close in a few years. I really really like what his potential is. And if you could get him and Connor Bedard, uh, that's a, that's tantalizing, especially in a place like Montreal where they where they trend a little trend a little younger. Um someone mentioned not over McCar. I'm not talking redraft. I'm saying at the time you know, I'm thinking of, like, who were the top names in 2017, for example. Like, Kale McCarr was a top, at worst, top 10 name going into the draft, but nobody was talking about him at first overall. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, if Montreal, like, I look at Montreal and say they need more on defense, and they could use some solidified, something solid in net, I would, like, if someone came along and, and was offering, like, i don't know like if florida came calling and wanted their pick back and it was like spencer knight plus plus you know then maybe i would think about it and just you get you get your goalie you get whatever but that's that's really stretching it for me i would have a hard time saying no to drafting both connor berdard and adam fantilli this season uh do you have any thoughts on matthias Havlid's triumphant return no i don't because i didn't know he was back um I, I, didn't know he was back because, uh, I don't pay attention at all. Oh, somehow I woke up Siri with that. Uh, but he has been, uh, well, he's got three points in 13 games. He's been back for quite a while then. That's, that's cool. Um, I have not seen him, so I'll have to go check him out, but I like him. I like, I like Matias quite a bit. Uh, in a draft like this one, what does a trade deadline deal have to involve to make trading away a first round pick worth it? Also, Chaz Lujas, 15 points in six games. Go, Jets, go. <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on the team's that you're, the team situation that you're in, right? Like, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, or uh, the Bo- like, if I'm the Boston Bruins, do they even have a first-round pick this year? I feel like they do. I don't know, unless they traded it in the Lindholm trade, but I need to check. I'm checking. I'm checking. The Bruins are here. Yeah. So the Bruins have a first round pick and no second. So like, I don't know. (laughs) You like, you don't, I do. I just fundamentally disagree with the idea of trading a first round pick for a rental. Even I I know, even though it like most of the time it, it, it works out fine. You get your rental and most late first round picks don't work out anyway, but I don't know. It's, it, it really, it's hard to say, right? Like it depends on who's on the table, right? If if I can get someone that is younger, on the younger side, like in their early mid-20s, and I've got some term on the other side, and the opposing team is just in a rebuild, then sure, I would consider trading first-round picks and like using them to land that player, or a first-round pick, right? Someone with term that isn't insanely expensive, that I know has a role on my team, that, that would stick around for a while. I'm not a believer, period, in going out and getting a guy just for the playoff run and like down the stretch like i i just i don't think it's i don't think the cost is worth it but if you're fundamentally making a change to your team and the only time you can really do that trade is around the trade deadline then absolutely i would i would i would go for it but i i just saw someone comment luke shen might get vancouver a late first like i'm never giving a late first round pick up for luke shen i'm just not you know like i i look at this year's draft like dimitri simashev might be available in the late first this year i'm not like though there are players in this year's draft that I seriously would absolutely think could be huge impact players, at least offensively, maybe not Simichev potentially, but you know, there's going to be good players that slip to the end of the first round. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's really tough. I know there's all, there's, there's like the hot, the NHL fan in me that goes, yeah, but late first round picks usually don't work out, but if you play your cards right and you do your homework, you can use late first round picks on like really good swings and you can turn those really good swings into assets down the road anyway. So it's, it's tough, but yeah, I, I, for a guy like Luke Shen, I'm not doing it, but like for Timo Meyer, if I've got the cap space and like, he wants an extension with my team and like, I can keep him for a while potentially, but also if you extend Timo Meyer, like it's going to be one of those situations where you get a few good years out of him but the dollar figure is going to be really high and the backstretch might not be great. I don't know. I'm thinking on the fly here. It's a lot. It really depends on the player and it really depends on the situation your team is in and like how bad your needs are, I would say. Uh, I've been hearing more and more of Zach Benson being a potential center. Is there any substance to that? Has he even gotten any reps there? He has not played center in the games I have seen him play, Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't play center. I mean, he plays a style where I think he could play center like in a way that Marco Rossi kind of did when he was a draft eligible, just like all over the ice. You know, no one really cared that he was five nine and, and he could really get around the ice, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like you could try it, but I don't know. I really love Zach Benson's play along the boards. I love how he's able to get off the boards um, you know, really, really quickly. He's got pretty good hands to help him do the same thing. Like, could he play center? Uh, sure. But I don't know, like the NHL is really hard and I don't want to be the guy where it's like undersized players can't play center. Cause I just fundamentally disagree with that. But I don't know. He's played wing all season. He's played really, really well playing on the wing. He, you could try it, but I would not be surprised if in the NHL, just by virtue of not having a ton of reps at center this year, it's a little bit of a grind and a bit of a of an uphill battle but uh you know you, like you don't want to discourage him but you know if he wants to play center i would certainly entertain the idea and see where it goes but he he hasn't um and i don't i would not be surprised if a player like benson is just better off being a winger as he is um you know i have a little bit of concerns about how quick he actually is and and how much you how much more you're gonna sort of squeeze out of him over the next few years, which to me kind of indicates that maybe the role as a center might be a little bit much for him in the NHL. But I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, he's gonna be a great winger. I, 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 one way or the other, I think he comes out on top. Uh, thoughts on Alex Siernik? Seems to be playing very well with Vastervik's. Yes, he is. I tracked a game today of him. Um, he was great. Uh not perfect, you know, not not the best. I mean it's it's fascinating. Sometimes when I'm doing my tracking work, I will go I will go through uh like little pockets of my list and compare the guys in those pockets. So especially ones that can be directly comparable, right? So like I have Alex Siernik ranked ahead of Dalibor Dvorsky and I've had that all season, and I have my reasons for that. And I watch Siernik at the junior level this year, and I've been kind of disappointed, right? But I, again, Mikhail Holm and I, good friend of the show, Mikhail Holm, he and I talk a lot, and he's, he's based in Sweden, in case you don't know, and he and I talk a lot, and one thing that he and I talk a lot about is the idea that once a player plays at the men's level in Sweden and goes back to junior, their GOS, <laughs> their GOS meter, like, give a crap meter is decree it decreases like it just kind of goes down and they kind of just sort of float around and and they know that they're capable of playing at a higher level because they've done it and it just kind of slows things down but then they go back to the men's level and it's like lights out right otto stenberg has been in my view like great in the shl over the last little while with some flashes of really tremendous play that i just have not seen at the junior level this year and I think the same is the case for Alex Siernik, because every single time I've seen him in the Hockey Svenskin, he's been great. Um, he's fast. He's intense. He, he challenges guys really, really well. He's skilled. He's got a great shot. Like, there's a lot to really, really like about Alex Siernik. It, again, he's not perfect. He can kind of, like, he's at his best when he sort of just settles into the play you know, plays a little less selfishly, not that he plays selfish, but when he tries to take on too much, it's a, it, it, it doesn't work. Another thing he does is, is he's got like Brad Lambert syndrome where it's like, he's fast and goes all game. But once he gets the pocket, sometimes he just like, doesn't know what to do with it. Right. There was one play in the game I watched. It was today where he, uh, where he stopped up. He entered the offensive zone with control got to about the top of the faceoff circle, stopped up, slowed down a little, took a survey and threaded a pass across the offensive zone, waited for a gap and hit the defenseman and had a shot assist there. I need to see, like, I personally want to see more of that. Like I, that kind of thing. Cause he can drop a shoulder, pull the puck wide and drive to the front of the net or, and try to shovel a puck in front of the net or take a scoring chance himself. He can do that, but like, sometimes you have to be able to also stop up and start a cycle or get an offensive chance in a different way like diversify things rather than just go 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 and so with guys like him and lambert and fabian liselle like they all kind of have these echoes of that of that issue but i've loved them i i think Siernik is you know if you get him in the second round i think you're thrilled and like I said, I mean, I go through my list and and go through little pockets of guys, and one of the guys that you know he's inextricably linked to is Dalibor Dvorsky, and I did a game of his this morning on my way to work, and I did Siernik on the way home, and I, it was blatantly obvious to me why I have one in Siernik ahead of 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 Dalibor Dvorsky. Now they're close in 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 terms of they're in the same tier. I think Dvorsky is like six spots behind. But for me, I see way more potential to drive results in a hockey game consistently at both ends out of Siernik than I do out of Dvorsky. Like, I really like Dvorsky's mind for the game, like his ability to sort of see his options, you know, curl pucks and change angles and find line mates and everything. But his feet, to me, are a problem, I think. I just, they really, really limit him, like, in a lot of ways in transition you know in in the offensive zone he can't really even challenge guys one-on-one like he has to dish the puck off to someone else um i like his defensive mind he's able to cover guys uh, on on defensive cycles really well and sticks to guys really really well but i just look at that and go well yeah i see dvorsky is maybe a guy who you put on the wing on a power play and he's your third line center who doesn't really drive a whole lot of offense at five on five but definitely drives, you know, definitely can play on the power play and suppresses results defensively at, at the center position. Whereas Siernik, he's a winger, so that's a little bit of a different equation, but he's a guy who chips in defensively, drives play up the ice with possession. He puts guys on their heels. He's got a lot, a lot of skill. He can really challenge guys one on one. You know, he drives to the net, something that I just have not seen out of Dalibor Dvorsky at all this season. So, So in any case, I mean that, so when I look at both of those guys back to back, it's like, and they're at the same level of hockey. Right. And, and I, I, I just, I look at it and I go, yeah, like I, I think I would rather have Alex Siernik, um, and just bet on him just being able to keep up in the NHL a lot better than a guy like Dalibor Dvorsky. Could Dvorsky improve? Of course. Um, but I love Alex Siernik, I guess is the answer to your question. I I think he's been great. Um, Vostrovich is giving him a good chance. They're giving him good, uh, situational playtime. Um, and he's producing pretty well. Uh, the game I did, he, he nearly scored in that game. I don't think he got any points of five on five in that game, but he played very, very well. Uh, thoughts on McKean's top 32. I was definitely surprised to see Bjarnason as the highest rated goalie and Dragasevich at 16 as the second best defenseman. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not technically a scout with McKean's. I, they give, they bounce the list off of me and Sam McGilligan just for like tweaking purposes. And I mean, in my view, like, I don't know, there's a lot that I don't agree with personally, but that's okay. Um, The best way for me to sort of do what I needed to do this year for this list was just give a list of guys of that. I think definitely should just be bumped up quite a bit. Like just the, the, the lowest guys that I think should be higher Um, and they did that, which is fine. Um, would I have uh, Jarnison, uh, you know, in the top 20? Probably not. I mean, I've seen him a bit and I'm not a huge goalie person, but I've been actively trying to learn more about goaltending this year. And like, especially after having seen guys like Sebastian Kosa and Yaroslav Askarov and, uh, Jesper Walsted over the years and like learning to recognize what an objectively good goaltender looks like, um, And I I look at that and go, uh, well, yeah, like, do I see the same kind of things out of Carson Bjarnason? Not really. You know, for me, Michael Hrabel brings a lot to the table that I really like. Um, and a couple of other goalies, Jacob Fowler and Trey Augustine are up that alley, but like, I wouldn't draft those guys in the first round. Hrabel may be in the late first for me. Um, but I'm also really hesitant to draft guys in the first round that play net. There are, and to me, there will be players ranked higher than Michael Hrabel that I would be able to draft in the first, second round. Um, and I mean, there might be goalies later on that might just be nice swings to take that aren't the top rated guys. Um, so it, we'll see what happens. Dragasevich is the second ranked defenseman. I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. I might need to go talk to Derek Newmeyer about that because I don't see it. I, I really don't. I know he's scoring a lot of points, but I watch him and I just don't know who he is in the NHL. I don't know the role he could play. I just don't know. If you want to draft him top 20 and like try to reprogram him into whatever, by all means, do your, do your thing, shoot your shot. But that's not my jam, especially in the first round. Right. I was talking to someone in hockey in the biz, as they say, a couple weeks ago, maybe and he brought up a really good point when it comes to the draft and especially in the first round right the first round you're the one getting up there on stage right you're you're going up on stage in front of millions of people all the fans in your fan base and you say a name when you say that name you better be really 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 sure that that is a guy that is going to play an important role in your team because if he is not turns out to be not that then you can lose your job right? You it's, 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 it's a little questionable in terms of logic with how this works, but it's a fact. And so that when I have guys like William Whitelaw in the first round and he, and he was saying, he was, he asked me about him. He's like, well, what do you think about William Whitelaw? And I said, well, I think in terms of talent, he's a first round guy, but he's a long ways away. And he goes, yeah. So you won't draft him in the first round. You'd be crazy. And I said, well, yeah. It's like, so then why is he ranked in your first round? It's like, well, because if it were me, like, I could do it with a late first round pick, but there's always going to be guys that I have ranked higher than him available and as a second or third I'd be I'd be able to do it. And it's like and 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 the the other thing that like a first round pick adds to the to the thing is like the timeline shortens, right? Like expectations get quicker whether you like it or not, right? Like Timothy Lojugrin was a first round pick for the Toronto Maple Leafs. People 3 years in after 3 years in the AHL were like what's what's wrong with Timothy Lodegren? Like why isn't he like in the NHL yet and now he's great you know it's like the timeline speeds up and the pressure can get really high to me William Whitelaw is like three years in college away from being an NHL player maybe two years in college and then you go straight to the AHL for a season or two like he's a ways away but if you play your cards right and you're patient you can end up with a great player but if you're in the first round and you draft a guy like that it is the pressure to put him in the NHL is pretty strong, especially if he goes to Wisconsin next year and scores forty five points in however many games. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with a player like that. But when it comes to a guy like Dragasevich, like, am I going up there on the microphone and saying I'm drafting Lucas Dragasevich? And and because I don't, I don't want to take that risk. If someone else does, by all means. But there's a lot of more interesting players that I would rather have. oh wow that tastes not great uh okay this is uh this is a pure life mango peach and pineapple sparkling water from i believe walmart i believe it's a walmart brand it's not great um where were we Thoughts on goalie Denis Utenkov, Unreal Stats, who looks like he has the blueprints for an NHL goalie. I saw this question come in before the show. I had never heard of him and I've never seen him play, but you're right. A 939 save percentage is quite good. Um, but I did some number pulling from Instat, and he, of all of the goaltenders I have Instat data on, he has the fourth easiest workload out of anybody uh, when it comes to dangerous shot attempts and high and medium danger. And I believe this is the third easiest uh in high danger attempts so he is facing a lot of shots from really far out uh so if he didn't have a high save percentage it would be problematic and his high danger save percentage is very bad when you include medium danger it gets more average i would say like an 850 from that range at five on five is about average um so yeah i don't know with especially since he's one. like i don't know i hate to be like goalies can't be small but the equation there just isn't quite right for me. Um if we're talking about goaltenders that are kind of off the board that might be interesting. Uh you know, maybe a Yegor Zavrogin, but I watched him and I wasn't really sold on what I was seeing there. Or was I thinking about the other guy that plays with him? Yeah, that was Yevgeny Volokhin. Uh Zavragen might be an interesting late round guy. Um you know, uh, who else? Alessio Brun is a guy that I actually kind of liked in the very, very brief games that I watched him. He's playing in Switzerland. Samuel Urban, I think, is an interesting option, um, for maybe a late round pick. But, yeah, I don't know. Wasn't super, the, the numbers for that player, what's his name? Uh, whatever his name is. What's his face for, uh, Cheka. whatever. Uh, my god, now I'm just looking for his name. Um, why can't I find it? Where did he go? Oh, Denis Utenkov. Uh, yeah, if that's, if, if that's the kind of stuff he's putting up, it's, he's kind of, to me, middle of the pack. Um, do, do, do. Uh, I'm exhausted. Tell me a bedtime story about Logan's Tankhoven being amazing in your best Sir David Attenborough impression. Uh, oof. Um, I'm sorry. I hope that between the time you wrote that question and now you've fallen asleep. Because I'm not sure I can do a David Attenborough impression. I don't know. I might have to I might have to like workshop it with my partner, because she usually has a good ear for good and bad impressions. Um so maybe rain check that. I hope you sleep okay. Uh I mean this show on its own doesn't put you to sleep. Like really? People say I have a good radio voice. I mean, maybe that's true, but this this must put you to, this must put most people to sleep I would think. Uh, how do you think Mieschak and Urban will do in the USHL? Good, I hope. I mean, I think Mieschak's gonna be just fine in the USHL. It'll be the first time he's playing against junior competition consistently since two seasons ago, which to me matters. Um, he's a big, heavy, fast guy with a lot of skill. I hope he gets some more freedom to to play with the puck a little more and, and try out that skill that he's got because he does have it. Um, And Urban, it's you know, Urban's a will see guy, like, right? He's on my he's on uh he's on my list uh as a watch list guy because it's like I don't want to forget he exists and he was kinda neat in the game that I watched of him or two games I watched of him, whatever it was. And like, I don't know, he's facing an insane workload and like playing pretty well against men in the Slovakian second division. So like let's see how it goes. Um so I don't know, he's a will see guy, but it would be fun if he was good. Uh but Mishak, I think, should be just fine. Um, Darren Dreger has recently said that the Habs aren't willing to trade Josh Anderson. Oh, God. Unless the return is spectacular. How many blood sacrifices do I need to fix this unholy curse? I'm not sure what you mean by the second part, but be v- <laughs> over the years, people have really learned to be very wary of the kinds of things that Darren Dreger goes public with, uh, especially around here in Toronto. Um, keep in mind, Kent Hughes is a player agent, or former player agent, I should say and darren Dreger was clearly carrying water for um what's his name mitch marner's agent the whole time they were negotiating that contract in public which was an awful time to be a in in toronto um so i'd get the feeling that that's some that might be even ken hughes himself or someone in his circle going to darren Dreger and be like <clears throat> we don't want to trade josh anderson just just so you know we don't want to trade him but if someone really wants them, we'll tell we'll think about it, you know, but you gotta, you know, bring the gabagool, you know? And, um, uh, I don't know. I just look at Josh Anderson and, and go like real, like I just, it doesn't pass the smell test, right? Like if I'm the Montreal Canadiens and knowing how I've interacted with Habs fans over the year and what I've heard from them, like Josh Anderson is a good player, I guess, but like that doesn't pass the smell test. So to me, something smells a little funky. Um, and we'll see what happens. Cause if I'm Montreal, I'm not, I don't know. Like Anderson's a good player, but like, I don't, what are you keeping him for? Right. Like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of Quinton Page? So that was a name I saw come in before the stream, and I googled him, and apparently I've looked at his player profile. I think I remember this guy uh, for Peterborough. Um, He's a real small zippy boy, like a lot of skill and goes real fast, but doesn't really do much with it. Like he only has two points this season in 26 games. I haven't seen a ton of him, but I do remember looking him up because he was kind of fun. Um, So it might be worth taking another look at him. Uh, I imagine he's playing quite limited minutes. Uh, it doesn't say on elite prospects, but that's okay. Um, but he might be one of those guys that just sort of caught my eye and I Googled him. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty sure he was a small, really zippy, really skilled guy. And I'll, uh, I'll take another look at him, uh, whenever I get the chance. Brian Stewart, arguably the worst scouting patron on the planet. I'm joking. I, I love Brian but if you sign up for the patreon uh you can you too can get uh insulted by me live on camera for an audience of 50 people live um anything legit behind nick Lardis' post-trade surge production yeah i love nick lardis i i'm really pleasantly surprised that nick lardis is uh off to the start that he's with uh with the bulldogs i want to say um yeah, with the Bulldogs, like 16 points in 10 games. Nick Lardis is really fun. I mean, I will need to track a game of him with with Hamilton to see what's kind of changed. With Peterborough, I mean, I'm gonna pull up his data because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, Now, granted, I haven't done a ton of Nick Lardis from this game or from this season, but his he's a finisher first and foremost, right? Like, I mean, it makes sense. He got nine goals in 10 games, but he's a guy who is quick especially sort of on its edges and just like he's one of these guys where you think you have him covered in the defensive zone and then he's like three feet you know he's three feet off to the side with his with his stick ready to go you hit him with a pass and it's in the back of the net before you can even blink right he does that a lot like he drives a lot of really dangerous shot attempts from from really dangerous space a lot um i see here that he has created 72 percent of his team's shot attempts with him on the ice he's taken 64 percent of the shot attempts uh he's a volume shooter which is not always the most impressive thing to me but if you want like a mid-round pick to be used on a guy who can finish i mean i feel like nick lardis will be there he's not the biggest guy he's not the strongest guy but you leave him uncovered in the offensive zone and he'll find space and he will put it in the net like he is a very very good shooter um, and I've come away really, really liking Nick Lardis, uh, in the games I've seen, not a perfect hockey player whatsoever. Like his puck management is not great. And, and he's, he's very much a finisher. Um, but again, my philosophy, like finishers are worth a little less to me, but one, he's really good at it. And two, like, if you can get him in the mid rounds, I think you've done really, really well. So yeah, I'm i I'm a fan of Nick Lardis and I, I, I'll have to track a game of him with, with Hamilton. That's probably a good thing for me to write down so I don't forget. Uh let me just do that. Because I keep a list of names that I really should go back and check out again. So I will do that. Nick Lardis. Okay. But I like him. He's fun. Um Grayson satchin has gotta be a first rounder. Dynamic skill, good producer, good involvement on a stacked team. Yeah, I have him in the first round now. Again, when I obliterated my list and rebuilt it from scratch, um he he ended up in my first round. And especially after the top prospects game, like you don't want to judge a player too much off of one game, but he went into that game and I had been seeing him over the course of the season and I was like, Hey, he's not perfect, but he does a lot of things really well. You know, he's, he's more than skilled enough to make it work and blah, 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 blah. And at the top prospects game, he just went off. Um, and yeah, so I, I get the feeling that Sachin is maybe a good late first round pick early second rounder. You know, if you if you draft a guy like Leo Carlson or something in the early first round and Grayson Sochin's your second guy at like 36 or 37 or something, I guess it wouldn't be that late. It might be like 34 or 35. It's a pretty decent pickup. And I, I really like Grayson Sochin I've grown to like him a lot more over the course of the season. I think he's gotten a lot better uh, over the course of the year as well, just in terms of, feeling comfortable with his own game and and really sort of picking his spots really well to use skill and use some speed and and drop a shoulder and get around guys like he does a lot of things well um so yeah i i like sachin and and he's in my first round now pretty he's at 25 i don't know if that's a little too high but 25 sure um moore versus leonard i go with oliver moore uh i i think oliver moore has a ton of of upside i think he's one of the more fun sort of offensive rush guys. He's really skilled in terms of using his skill well, and and he does that really well, just pulling pucks around guys, making new lanes and and connecting on offensive plays. He's probably, I would say, the best analytics player that I've tracked this year that isn't named Connor Bedard. Let me pull that up to make sure, but he is right up there. Um, That doesn't make sense. That can't be right. That doesn't look right to me, but maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to double check that.
1: Yeah, that ain't right.
0: Hmm. Okay. In any case, uh, my, my, my math sheet is not working, um, so let me try the other one, the, the backup. That one's not working either, hmm. Unless it's just very delayed and I need to refresh the page, I'll try that. But anyway, uh, Oliver Moore looks great in the data. Um, oh, there it goes, so it was, it just needed to be refreshed. Yeah. I mean, like in a lot of metrics, he's keeping up with some of the best players in the entire draft. Uh, he's ended up in my top five. Yeah. He's at five on my board. He's just gotten up higher and higher and higher. Um, I love Oliver Moore. Um, Ryan Leonard. I mean, I like Ryan Leonard too. He's, he's a really physical rambunctious shooter. Like we're just talking about Josh Anderson. There's echoes there. Like a, like a guy who can get up the ice really well, you know, maybe not the best puck distributor and maybe not the most well-rounded hockey player, but boy, that guy can score goals. Boy, he loves to throw his weight around and like get into the, into the thick of it and bounce off guys and, and hit guys into the boards. He loves that stuff. Um, so he's a great, he's a great player too. I'd say top 15. He does have some of these traits that, that I think, you know, limit NHL upside, like effectiveness, I guess, in the NHL in a number of situations, but I don't really mind that much because he's, uh, also a really, really, he just does a lot of things that are important really, really well. Yeah. He's 15 on my board. And I think that's about reasonable. He might not, he won't go much higher, but I also don't see him going much later. Um, thoughts on Swedish eligible Felix Nilsson. Love him. I love Felix. Um, I tracked a game of his in the SHL. I've done two games of his in the SHL, the game that i just did he barely touched the puck because his team barely touched the puck i wouldn't i wouldn't lay it at his feet at all um i thought i thought he played pretty well in that game overall when he did touch the puck which was again not very often um but at the j20 level he's just remarkable he's he's a really high in, high intensity hard working guy um drives a lot of results uh, at both ends of the ice you know, really, really involved going both directions, especially offensively, um, making really, really smart plays and just being a guy that you love to watch. I really like Felix Nilsson. I had no idea who he was before this season, Um, but he's been a pleasant surprise this year. He doesn't waste his scoring chances. He does a lot of things really, really well. Um, And, uh, you know, seeing him in the SHL has been a nice, pleasant surprise, even if he might be a little bit limited with a few different things uh, in terms of his foot speed and, and true level of skill. But you can work on those things then i think he's got a good sort of foundation to work with uh ooh the first the first vancouver canucks uh, bo horvat trade question of the night i'm sure there's more did the canucks did 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 Canu- cause win the trade uh did the canucks win the trade um i don't think anybody won the trade i think both teams got what they wanted right the islanders Bo Horvat to the Islanders, like, when you really think about it, makes so much sense. They've got Anders Lee and Brock Nelson, like, guys, big dudes who can score, and, and, and they're just rough and tumble dudes, you know? They just, they just, they play that Lou Lamarillo style, right? And that's, that's good, and I think Bo Horvat makes a lot of sense. Did they pay quite a bit to get him? Like, the way I see it is they paid Atu Ratu and a first-round pick, well, whatever, like, with the conditions. But they paid that to upgrade from Anthony Beauvillier, who always struck me as a bit of a strange New York Islander, led by Lou Lamarillo, to Bo Horvat. Now, how much of an upgrade is that? I'd say it's a pretty decent upgrade, you know. I mean, Bo Horvat's having a heck of a season, but even setting that aside, I like Bo Horvat as a player. And I get it. Like, would I have traded Atu Ratu and a first-round pick? probably not. I probably would have rather kept Ratu, but again, like I I get the like the the New York never ever count out the New York Islanders, right? Like year over year they've kind of squeaked into the playoffs and then gone really deep, right? You go on a hot goalie run for the down down stretch of the year. You got a guy like Bo Horvat and maybe he hits 50 goals this year. Uh I maybe, maybe. And and you squeak your way into the playoffs and then who cares what happened in the regular season? You're starting over. They shut things down and win a bunch of games two one. You never know what can happen, right? And then Lou Lamarella looks like a friggin' genius making this trade because who cares about Atu Ratu and a first round pick and Anthony Bovillier Because rings, baby. Um, so I think I don't. I think it's too early to tell. Personally, I, you know, if it was a rental deal, I think if 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 Beau Horvat walks in July, then yeah, they, I think they paid. Unless they win a Stanley Cup, they paid way too much, right? but it still remains to be seen. I guess what I'm saying is it's too early to tell for it's too early to tell for for you know who won the trade. Cuz again, Atu Ratu is not a perfect player. He's a flawed player. There's a reason he slipped in the draft. He slipped way too far, but there's a there are reasons he slipped and he hasn't been like incredible in the AHL. He's been a very good scorer and there's a lot that there's a lot to like and I feel like you put him with the right players and he could be a good NHL player. Um but I I don't know. I'm not going to like, he was ranked in the middle of the first round for me in the, the year he was drafted. And like, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that like, he's the first overall caliber player. Everyone thought he was when he was 15. Um, but clearly things have been going pretty well for him so far, uh, in terms of scoring goals and, and putting the puck in the net. And that's a good thing. So it's good for the Canucks to get that. I think the Canucks got good stuff out of the deal. And I think the Islanders like shoot your shot, man. Like I would have sat that one out, but like, you know, maybe I just don't have, just don't have the, uh, what do you, what do you what, whatever you want to call it. Maybe I don't have the, 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 the right attitude about it. I don't know. Um, but, but that, that yeah, good for Lula. I mean, this is what Lula Amarola does. He's going for it, right? Uh, just win, baby. Besides Bedard, who's the most electric prospect in this draft? Probably Adam Fantilli. Uh, I'd say Fantilli or Moore. Um, the game I did of Matt Mitchkov was excellent. Uh, It was the best game I've ever seen Matvey Mitchkov play. Um, Going to Sochi has done wonders for him, in my view. Just he seems like a player who's being coached and coached decently well. Like, as opposed to in St. Petersburg, it really felt like he was just kind of doing whatever he wanted and, you know, cheating for offense a lot. Whereas in Sochi, like, there's a lot more going on. um, And it just goes to show that, like, for like, I don't know, like I put him where I thought he belonged based on the play in, in St. Petersburg. But now that he's up in the KHL and playing some decent minutes and you know, his team's not great, but he's having a really good impact on the game for his team. And I I think that's really, really notable. Um, but I don't know if I, I like him and Oliver Moore, I think are up there. Will Smith in certain moments can be unbelievably fun. Andrew Crystal as well. There's a lot of guys I think who are like, they'll, they'll give you goosebumps at times, right? There's a lot of guys that will do that. Um, outside the obvious, who do you think has the highest ceiling? Uh, I mean, I think Dmitry Simashev has a massive ceiling. I, I like offense defense. He just, there's so many flashes, especially for a guy that's six, five. There's so many flashes where, you know, if you just refine that skill a little bit more, get him to be a bit stronger and and keep him lean, like keep him mobile and quick on his feet, but like, you know, build him out as a strong boy, but like without losing too much of that feet and like making him too much of a chonk, I would look at him and, and see a guy that has a tremendous amount of upside. Um, cause the things I've seen him do in spurts are just really, really impressive. Um, Do, 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 do. Thoughts on Lucas Dragasevich being above Sandin, Pelika, and Guliaev. We kind of went over that. I disagree with it, but Derek Newmeyer is, uh, doing his thing, you know? I don't see it with Dragasevich that high, but whatever. Uh, how high do I have Tanner Molendyke? Um, I've got Molendyke at 29 most recently. I really like him. Again, if you want to just bet on a kid who can skate, uh, and play some defense and throw pucks around the ice really, really effectively, then Molendyke is a really good option. Um, maybe more of a second round pick for me. Like, I don't know if I would go up there and draft him in the first round, but you know, if you're at like 40th overall, you could do a lot worse than Tanner Molendyke. Uh, how have the garden trio progressed? I know Minnesota Wild fans have been happy with Ogren's season. Yeah, I think him and Osland have played pretty well. LaKaramaki, I think has been a lot more up and down, a lot more mixed. Um, so yeah I don't know I think I think Ogrin has to me been the most impressive which makes sense because I had him rank the highest out of all three um but I I, I they've all played well when I've seen them but definitely Ogren and Osland have taken a step I think Osland's gained a step in terms of speed and and using his skill at high speed ogrin has got gotten stronger and I think a little bit quicker maybe not faster but like just more agile um so yeah I, I've liked how they've played uh, any thoughts on Samuel Johansson? seems to have decent stats for a 22 year old defenseman in the uh, SHL, but I think Columbus let his rights expire. Yeah, I don't, I remember watching him a little bit and like, yeah, he was a decent puck mover, a good skilled defenseman. Like I'm sure there's someone out there willing to give him a contract somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen him a little bit here and there. I would not be surprised to see him come over to North America again and, uh, or come over to North America and, and give it a shot. Even if it's not with Columbus. Uh, in order of black history month, is there a player of color you think should be more hyped than they have been so far? Um, I, do you mean in the, dra- if you mean in the draft, uh, I mean, I get the feel like, like, uh, Zaid wisdom's brother, Zachariah, I feel like should be drafted maybe late. Like he's a really fun player to watch really aggressive like his brother and like goes to the net and and has a really good shot. Um, He's been fun with Cedar Rapids, maybe not my most favorite Cedar Rapids guy, but like if you want a bottom six, you know, uh, really just intense player who can score, I think that there could be a good good player there. Um, I might be mistaken, but I believe Matthew Soto with Kingston is a player of color. I could be wrong, so I apologize if I'm wrong, Um, but I believe he is. And I love Matthew Soto's game. Like, he is fun. I mean, I think there are limitations in his game that really limit off, on like, the up- upside of his pick. But if you get him in the middle rounds and, you know, you bet, bet long-term that he... You know, for me, it's just about working on his skating mechanics and just getting stronger. You know, he's a guy... Uh, he's a guy who, um, you know, I think brings a ton of skill and just a ton of just attack, 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 you know really dynamic player. He can make a play. He's a great shooter. It's just, I look at him and I go, yeah, like he's one of these guys that moves his feet a lot and doesn't really go very quickly. Um So yeah, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that he is an interesting one uh, for that particular question. Uh, I think someone mentioned that he is Hispanic. Okay. So in, <laughs> in the same alley, but you no, know, he, he's not a, he's not a black hockey player. Um, but he is a a player of color and I, I think he's a guy who deserves, uh, he deserves some more eyeballs on him. Um, who would be your pick to win the, what is it? Memorial cup. I believe you said, Oh boy, there's a lot of questions going on here. Okay. Uh, where, what is it? Uh, who would be your pick to win the Memorial cup as of today? Mm, It's a good question. The vagina pats. (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Um, who is even on CHL top teams 2023? Have they even released a a released one yet? Oh, I mean, Seattle is the easy answer. Um, I go Seattle and if I want a dark horse, maybe Kamloops, who's hosting the Memorial cup this year anyway. Uh, it is in Kamloops. Okay. So the Kamloops qualifies anyway. So yeah, I'd say Kamloops or Seattle. That would be, those would be the teams that I would go for. I love the Kamloops Blazers, uh, a ton. Um, thoughts on Nico Hootenen being the best under 20 league scorer this season. Well, I mean, the boy could always shoot and he's always been big. Uh, I like Nico Hooten. I'm glad he got drafted uh i still wonder about nhl projection because when i've watched him in the league this year like it's like he's kind of driving to the net in the offensive zone or finding space in the offensive zone and just cranking slap shots or wrist shots like then that, that's fine um so i but i i always sort of so go okay like he's coming along well but we'll see um with with hootenen cuz there's more to the game than that but he's been good um, definitely better. He's the, he, a lot of worse players. I think got drafted before him. When we look back, I think that's not controversial, but, but still a bit of a ways to go. I think, uh, oh, geez, Whitney's Miltank tank is back. Hello. Why do you think Gabe Perot was always considered to be the fourth out of the four NTDP big guns? Because everybody else, Gabe Perot, here's the way I've sort of seen Gabe Perot recently. Like everybody it's almost a meme now how i've talked about joshua Wa joshua wah over the last few years and like what joshua is now to me is kind of like what gabe perot is now right so i like gabe perot because he's a he's a complimentary guy uh let me just pull him up here i think he's in my first round now um oh no he's not 33 but he's knocking on the door Um, like he is a very, very, very good complimentary player. Like, but he's still a complimentary player. Like, a guy like Will Smith playing with Ryan Leonard, Will Smith is the guy that plays with the puck. Ryan Leonard is the guy that makes smash and go in a straight line real fast and shoot puck good. Gabe Perot is the guy that adds the extra moves so that the puck far more likely goes in the net, right? Like, he is the guy where Will Smith passes it to him and Perot waits that extra half second to bait the goalie that extra little bit, then threads a pass across the crease to Ryan Leonard and bobs your uncle the pucks in the net. That is what Gabe Perot does. You know, Gabe Perot does stuff like he he really lacks a lot of pace, really lacks a lot of skating, but you put him with some fast and talented finishers and, and possession forwards and he'll just fit in and just make the simple plays more often than not and do really well doing it. It's not flashy, it's not pretty, it's it's I think risky to draft in the first round, but he is better than I thought he was at the beginning of the year. Like there's only so many times I can watch a player like Gabe Perot expecting him not to be that impressive. And I sit back and go oh, that was a smart play. Oh, that was a smart, that puck probably doesn't go in without Gabe Perot doing that. And it's like, okay, yeah, he's got these limitations that might hold him back, but like, that's pretty cool. Like that, the the, the kid can do the thing, right? Like you, he's one of these guys where I think it might be a little easy to write him off, but you'd be foolish to write him off because whenever I've watched Gabe Perreault, I'm like, okay, like not much is happening. Not much is happening. Not much is happening. Oh, cool. Look at this. Uh, look at him go. That was fun. Um, so yeah, I, I like Gabe Perot, but just the other guys, I think just bring more projectability to the game. Um, I find that guys like start out better than what Gabe Perot looks like now and sort of regress to a, to finding a role like Gabe Perot in the NHL rather than they stay this way all the way through all the way to the NHL. But I, yeah, that, that, I think that's the best explanation I can give. There's just other guys who I think bring more talent, uh, in terms of like projectable traits, but Perot still does have a pretty smart mind for making the right play a lot. And that might just not carry as much, as much value for, for a lot of scouts. Uh, okay. First, any overage players that have taken a step and should be drafted this year. Second, who other than crystal do you have higher or lower significantly compared to the industry list? Um. First, the overage players or re or whatever you want to call them that have taken a step. I mean, I still think Cole Knubel deserves a draft pick. Eric Polkamp is probably the best example I can give you of a guy who... I thought last year showed a lot of flashes with Cedar Rapids like he was quick on his feet and and pretty skilled and a pretty good shot from the point but it wasn't really going in for him very much it wasn't really working out I watched a few games last year and I sort of went okay like I love how this guy skates and if you have a late round pick and you want to draft a guy just based on his skating ability Eric Polkamp is probably not a bad choice but this year he's uh more agile he's more skilled he's a better shooter um i think he's more aggressive he's taking on more risk and really challenging opponents better which i really really like about him i think Pole camp is probably the best example i would give uh for a player that's legitimately taken a step um and other than crystal who do i have higher or lower significantly than uh a consensus list so let's just sort my rankings by consensus so i've got braden jaeger at 34 uh i've got colby barlow at 44 i've got callum Ritchie at 39 I've got Matthew Wood at 40. Um, the rest are all kind of similar. I've got Danny Nelson at on my watch list, but he's ranked in the early second for a lot of people. stirbock and Bonk are in my third early third round, um, but they're in sort of the mid-second for most people. Um who do I have ranked significantly higher? Uh I got Edward Shawley at twenty-two, and the the average right now is eleven. Dalibor dvorsky I have at twenty-seven, the average is twelve. I've got Oliver Moore at five averages, 14 Sandy Pelica. I've got at seven averages, 19 Simashev. I've got at 10 averages, 22, uh, Jaden Perron. I have at 11 averages, 25. Uh, let's see what else we've got. I mean, I've got Oscar Fisker, Molgaard at 24 and there's not enough people ranking him to have him as an average. Same for Martin Meshach, I have him at 26. Um, so that's just the way it is uh do 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 I have a feeling, oh Grav is here, Hello, Grav, good evening. I have a feeling Barlow goes top eight this year, and we're just all gonna have to deal with it, yeah, I mean, look colby Barlow certainly has, he's not a ba- he's not a bad hockey player, like you know Colby Barlow just to me checks a lot of boxes that I think teams trip over themselves with i look at I look at him at five on five and I still struggle to see a guy who can consistently drive results offensively and defensively um really great shooter though like what Colby Barlow does really well is he has a great sense of puck protection with his body and he has a quick couple of steps so that he can just gain a bit of space and he has a great release that he can score with but again i i just i no matter what happens with any player any player who goes out there and scores a lot of goals and has not that many assists To me, that is an analytical red flag. Like, the number of guys where that just has not worked out in the NHL is far greater than the number that have worked out. The ones that come off the top of my head are, like, Anthony Mantha. But, like, I'm thinking Matt Pumple. uh, Who else are some of these guys? They they definitely exist. I mean, I could go and fetch them all, but uh, definitely a thing. Um... But yeah, uh, but 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 I mean, look, if Barlow goes top eight, I wouldn't do it. Would I draft Colby Barlow in the late first round? Sure. Like I could see him being a third line guy that you put on on the power play, and 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 he can score some points for you there, and you keep him in sheltered minutes. Then sure, I could see that. Yeah, Julian Gauthier. Someone mentioned that as well. He was another one. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if Colby Barlow goes eight, I'm happy to draft someone else at nine. Um, what were your thoughts on Doc in his draft year? I loved Kirby Doc in his draft year. He was a guy where he went through, he was like insanely hot to start the year and then went ice cold for like a third of the season and then went hot again for the end of the year. I really liked Kirby Doc. He was a guy who I felt didn't look like he was putting in as much as he could because he kind of didn't need to just like the skill was really, really high end and just knew what to do a lot of the time. A little bit of a me-first player, I felt, but I wasn't surprised to see him go third overall, and I was thrilled. I really, really like Kirby Doc, and still do. Uh, well, I liked him, and still do. Uh, and at the time of the draft, I think I had him at three or four? I don't remember. I'd have to go and look, but it was pretty high. Uh, is there a prospect that comes to mind that you liked a lot, but thought that the NHL teams never gave them a good chance? Hmm probably i mean right now that player is zach jones to me with the rangers it blows my mind that ben harper is playing with the rangers and got a contract extension while zach jones is just like torching the ahl right now i was watching a bit of him earlier just just destroying uh, on the on defense there and so that's a player that comes to mind right away uh who else um I'd have to think about that that's a good question but the first one that comes to mind is one that's happening right now and i think that that would be zach jones uh danton danielson hello Jaden perron do you think he engages his his body enough in tight areas battles to retrieve protecting the puck etc in my viewings that's a weakness am i just watching the wrong games no i think you're right um i think he's a much better transition defender rather than like a cycle and board defender but like i don't know is that really your expectation of him right like the things that he he he's not a physical player and I don't think he ever will be. He's much more of a stick checker. You know, I I do think Jaden Perron has flaws that could significantly limit his ability to play in the NHL as well as he's playing in the USHL. But I do think that there's a lot enough enough to like that he just really figures it out, even if he's not the most physical guy. I think protecting the puck, he does that pretty well. But I do agree that in tight spaces, if he doesn't find a passing option, he really struggles to escape that pressure uh, with his own feet. I think he's 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 a quick guy, but he's not necessarily like agile and adaptive. But he's very very good at threading passes through guys and all that stuff. I don't know. There's a lot to like uh, about about Jaden Perron, but um, those things that you highlighted, you're not crazy, I guess, is what I'm saying. That those th- those things are 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 a bit of a weakness. But it's about weighing them properly when there are a lot of benefits in his game uh have you watched Evgeny Volokhin yet I have I liked him uh haven't seen a ton but I liked what I saw uh the Leafs under Dubas tend to go for high IQ players but had a strong second half who stands out with a high IQ that could jump out second half of the season to move into late first for Toronto Grayson Sochin that's a really good option right there I mean, if Toronto, I don't think Dalibor Dvorsky will be available there yet, but that would be a great option there. Um, who else? Uh, Gabe Perot could be an interesting one. Uh, Tom Willander, I think, could also be a really interesting one. Uh, he seems to be heating up a little bit as the season goes on. Um, Edward Chalet, if he really falls in the draft, maybe Edward Shawley is an interesting pickup for them there's a, there, there could be some good options in the late first, if that's what they're looking for. Um, knowing full well, it's not sustainable. Are you surprised by Raphael Harvey Penard's early success at the NHL? Yeah. But like pleasantly surprised I've loved Raphael Harvey Penard. Like you can go back in my channel. I think it was the 2018 draft where there were undrafted players that really probably should have been drafted. Uh, maybe 2019, um, probably 2019 and Raphael Harvey Penard was on that list. Um, I I've always liked him. He's, he's undersized, but rambunctious um, he's a great example of of a smaller player that you never want to count out. Like when I look at players that are small, he checks a lot of the boxes that I'm looking for where at the worst case scenario, is, is he capable of outplaying a six foot two schlub on the fourth line in the NHL? My answer would be yes. And I think we're seeing little tastes of that. I like him a lot. Um, you give him a chance, you give him some reps and things hopefully work out. Uh, Alex Siernik's recent success with his new team in the All what do you think? I love it. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but I love it. He's a great, I think he's a great player. Uh, if he's not in the, if he's not gone in the first round, then I'm thrilled to get him in the second round. Like, if my second round is, say, Otto Stenberg and Alex Siernik, I am very happy, uh, especially if my first round pick is maybe, I don't know, Gulyayev or Simashev. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting players this year, and, the guys that could slip to the second round could be really interesting pickups. Um, Is one of your tier three guys dropped... If one of your tier three guys dropped to the late first round, would you use an early second and third to move up? Uh, so that would probably... In my tier three, that's Carlson, Benson, Moore, Michkov, Sandin, Pelika, Crystal, Smith, and Simishev. I would think the only names likely to be maybe there in the late first would be Crystal and Simishev. I so i can only speak from the perspective of say let's call it team scouting. i have a late first round pick and a and two third round picks would i trade the late first round pick and a third round pick to move up from say 28 to 26 to draft andrew crystal if he was still on the board potentially sure i do think in that third round there could be some good players available still there but yeah potentially i could do that an early second and a, and a third round pick if that's what it costs uh for for a guy like andrew crystal or a dmitry simashev who i also really like then sure uh i i could do it um it would be nice but i also i don't know like is andrew crystal a guy that slips to the second round i don't think that's impossible either it could be an interesting an interesting day on draft day i would say uh, oof, my uh my diaphragm is sore the actual body part, the thing you're below your ribs, sore. I'm talking too much. What's up with Dalibor Dvorsky? Seems to be sliding on some lists. What's your take on him? I've always been cooler on Dvorsky since the beginning of the season, my friend. Uh, and I've been, I've been not yelling it, but cautiously sort of going, I don't know about this, like all year. Um, look, I, I think, I think his issues have been, Like, not exacerbated, but illustrated. Um, You know, he wasn't a necessarily overwhelmingly impressive player at the World Junior, I don't think. I think he showed good traits, and I think he showed what kind of a player he can be. But I think he lacks a lot of traits that make a high-end prospect truly high-end. When I watch him at the Hockey all Svenskin level, I see a player who... Has a lot of smarts, I think knows when to pass the puck, knows who to pass the puck to, knows how to get it there safely, um, keeps it safe and, and stable at 5-on-5 five five in a good way, but the foot speed is a major problem. He doesn't penetrate the inside of the ice at off at 5-on-5 five five at all, very much, like at all, unless he does not have the puck and he sort of just floats in and someone doesn't catch him but he's a smart player like i i just you worry about what happens past hockey Svenskin, where the pace gets ratcheted up and and you know foot speed matters a little more like if you know if he's going to get closed out a lot is he going to be able to adapt to that pressure make a play and and read make that read at a quicker pace i'm not sure like my whole thing is if i'm drafting in the top 10 how scared am i to say the player's name And if my team is like Dvorsky, 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 and I'm me sitting there, I am a little bit scared to draft him in the first 10 picks of the draft. Is he a first round pick? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think you could get a good third line possession center that can play on your power play to shoot the puck. And that could be a decent role for him in the NHL. Beyond that, you could make the development argument. Sure, for sure. But like, whenever I've seen him really go full flight up the ice, try to carry it end to end, the skill level kind of doesn't, it isn't there. So to me, you're hoping that not only does his pace increase and the level of speed he can generate increase, but the skill increases as well. And he can tether those two things together to push guys more on their heels and drive into the inside a little bit more, or at least get a little deeper into the offensive zone to make a play. Because I've seen him a lot of times cross that offensive blue line, lob it on net, rim it around the corner and and hand it over to the goalie or something like that. Uh, and that's just not, to me, that's just not generating a ton of offense for him. And I think that's indicative in his, in his point production. I mean, he, he is not scaling with guys like Elias Pedersen in terms of scoring at that level at this age, right? Like he's just not, um, he's in line with more like a Jakob Olofsson or a, I'm trying to think of other hockey all fencing guys that have been drafted that aren't scoring a point a game. um, it's, you know, it's not a bad league, but I think it is very clearly showing what his, what his weaknesses are. Someone else asked later uh, why I bumped him up, and it sounds like I'm more negative on him, but honestly, it, I bumped him up because the game I just watched of him today was really good. Like, it, he he isn't, you know, again, like, you have to appreciate him for what he is, and I don't think he's going to be a huge point producer, but I do think he's going to play in the NHL. Really smart puck manager, you know, knows how to do the right thing at the right time. Um, you know, gets the puck to its destination well enough outside the offensive zone, especially, um, really good defensive instincts as well. There's a lot to like. Um, there's a lot to like. Uh, do you know what happened to Michael Fisher? I can't find any information on Google about an injury and most results are for the Nashville player. I have no idea. I don't have any info on that. Did Anaheim fail taking Gaucher, Warren, and Luneau last year when none of them have extremely high ceilings while leaving Kulik, Howard, Casey, Hudson, Goyette on the board? I mean, I don't know about fail, but they bunted the picks. Like, they bunted. Like, Nathan Gaucher is fine. I feel like he's gonna play in the NHL, like maybe in a depth role, third line, whatever. Noah Warren, I, I, mean, I thought drafting Noah Warren that high was a little bit crazy. Tristan Luneau, I mean, he's better this year, but I never really saw, like, a great defenseman last year. Um, Would I, if I am Anaheim, would I rather have guys like who you mentioned? Probably. Um, But I get the feeling that they're going to just put those guys in the lineup no matter what happens, and they might, the two defensemen you mentioned, they might be able to tread water defensively. And Nathan Gaucher, like he can play an NHL role. There is jobs that there are jobs for guys like Nathan Gaucher. It's not glamorous, but it it could happen, you know, and there, it depends on what you consider a successful draft pick, right? Like if you want just a hockey guy who can hit and skate, Gaucher can be that guy, right? Is that necessarily what I chase in the first round of the NHL draft? Not really, but you got to pick and you get to keep your job because coaches are going to play a guy like Nathan Gauthier every single night. Uh, if, if he's, if he's at all capable of keeping up in the NHL, which I think he could be, uh, Moore versus Nazar. Uh, I like Moore more, but they're similar. Like there are sim- there are echoes there of a similar player, but I, I like Moore a little bit better. I think the skill level is a little better. He's able to transition the puck a little better than Nazar. Nazar. Um, I, I like, I like Moore a lot. <clears throat> what do you think about Grayson Sotchin? He's great. Uh, we've talked about him a bunch already. Did you see that when Hoyt Stanley was drafted in the WHL in 2020, he was listed at 5'7". Uh, he's this year's Owen Pickering. That's true. Uh, uh, Hoyt Stanley is with the Victoria Grizzlies, and he is 6'2". Uh, now, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a bit bigger. Uh, he's a lanky boy, and he plays like he's 5'9". Like, he's a skilled guy, but... I, again, with Hoyt Stanley, like he's on my short list for like a late round pick. Uh, I haven't heard much said about him, but I like him a lot. I don't know exactly where I have him ranked. I forgot. Um, I think, I mean, if, if he's a player who is still just growing into his body, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, because he can be a little bit awkward at times, but I mean, he's ranked in my third round and if you can get him in that range, third, fourth, fifth round, I think you've done really well. Uh, ceiling and floor for Matt Wood. Uh, middle six offensive winger who can throw his weight around for a ceiling, maybe. And floor, decent AHL scorer. Like, I feel like Matt Wood, if he doesn't develop as well as people hope, I don't know if he's going to play. But I like Matt Wood. Oh, excuse me. I like Matt Wood okay. He's fine. Um, but I just don't see... Like he scored a ton of points in the BCHL, but I feel like he did that because he's just big and protects the puck pretty well and shoots pretty well. I don't know. I I I struggle with Matt Wood still. Best stay-at-home defenseman, and where should we be? Ta- where should he be taken? Uh, I mean, on paper, I would say Tom Willander because that's just kind of how he plays. But I kind of want him to take a little more risk and play a little more offensively. But as he is now he kind of stays at home and chills and, and, and does his thing. Um, I think in terms of projection, I might throw David Reinbacher in there just because I think his defensive game is what's going to be more important in the NHL, but he can shoot the puck really well. Like a lot of his production this year comes from shooting the puck. It goes on net. Something happens. Bob's your uncle. He gets a point. Right. And I feel like that's fine but to me, that doesn't necessarily mean he's like an offensive defenseman, right? He's very much a pass-first guy in the games I've done, coming out of the defensive end, entering the offensive zone. He's passing the puck more often than not. Um, I would say, uh, Reinbacher could be up there. I mean, Simishev might be up there too. I feel like he, he's, he, but, but I, I, when I hear shut down defenseman, I hear like, that's what he does. Whereas when I look at Simashev, I go, yeah, this guy could not only be a good shutdown defenseman, but he also has offensive tools. He could score points. Like this guy, I saw this guy do a spinorama and, you know, step up from the blue line, do a spinorama and cut right to the middle of the net and and try to get one in from in tight. You don't see many 6'5 defensemen even bother trying that, let alone pulling it off. Uh, and I want to see more of that. So I think there's more, I think there's more with Simashev to go, but in terms of pure defense as they are now, I feel like Willander is probably up there, but I might push him in a, a more aggressive situation. I'd say a sleeper for that is also Jakub Dvorak, uh, in Czech Republic. Um, I've liked, I've liked him quite a bit. Um, but again, and I, I mean, again, he's like Willander where I'm sitting there going, yeah, but I feel like I would like to see you push things a little more in, in the, in the offensive direction. Uh, who on your watch list would you consider to be the closest to making your final list? Uh, Danny Nelson and Etienne Morin, probably. If not them, I, you know, Brady Cleveland, maybe, Kalem Parker, something like that, if that makes sense. Also, someone mentioned Ty Mueller last week and I watched him. I like him. He ended up on the watch list. I like him a lot. He was fun to watch. Where do you project Musty in the NHL? I think a ceiling is a top six Swiss Army knife. I mean, I I would say middle six for, for Quentin Musty. Like, he does a lot of things really well. Um, you know, he skates okay, but he makes plays well intelligently. He gets to the net well. Um, there's a lot of things that I think he does pretty well. Um, just to, you know the last game i watched of him was a couple nights ago and it was just a banger of a game um he was great you know funneling pucks inside taking good scoring chances like i'm not surprised he's scoring more than he was he might be the most impressive player Im- most improved player i should say over the course of the year um but yeah i mean i i think i think that he's an interesting one um for musty i i i, I don't know about like a first line guy but maybe like a really good third line guy or a good sort of second-line auxiliary offensive guy that can throw his weight around and play a bit physical, but also move the puck pretty well and get to the net and do all those fun things. Which prospects do you think are most likely to drop significantly in the drafts? Ooh, uh, where do I start? Crystal uh, to me. I mean, Crystal, Peron, Brindley, Mukhanov, uh, Stenberg, um, Siernik, Pinelli these are all guys that i have ranked high that i think will be available much later uh visker is another one uh mishak i think as well but again if we want to talk about floors and projectability i think mishak is right there and if you can see that in a player i feel like a late first round pick is reasonable uh, william whitelaw i have in the first round but i feel like he's gonna go in like the third round there's there's a few and uh, you can you can you can read between the lines of the types of players that i'm talking about uh and 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 take that for what you will If you were a general manager, where do you start considering taking over ragers, considering they're risky, but have some reward if they hit probably third round. That's like, I find that once the third round is kind of like halfway done, most of the players that I'm really excited about are gone. So at that point it's like, all right, well let's start thinking like if I don't know about like an Eric pole camp that early, most re-entry guys, I feel like I would have a really hard time drafting them that early, uh, at least this year. Um, I mean, I really like Dylan Herkoyan, but I wouldn't probably draft him in the third round. Um, but again, it depends on who's available, right? Um, usually for me, re-entry guys might be like fifth, sixth, seventh round swings, but if there was like a really, really good one available in the third round that I didn't think would be available much later, I might go in that direction. Um, but generally you have more success drafting those guys later on in the draft. Uh... Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh,
1: did I lose my spot? I did, didn't I? There it is.
0: Uh, Any concerns about Will Smith's pace of play? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's not great, but I'm not super... I, 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 look, the way I see Will Smith is pretty clear. I would say if I'm drafting him... I go, yeah, I don't think you're going to be a winger in the NHL. I don't think you're going to be a center in the NHL, but you could be a hell of a winger, you know? Like, if you alleviate alleviate the necessity for him to play a ton of defense and you give him some freedom to, like, cheat a little for offense, I think you could have a heck of a scorer in the NHL, and that's what's keeping him really high on my list, right? Like, the skill level and the creativity – and the shot like it's great but he doesn't i don't think i'd rely on him as a guy through which play flows up the middle of the ice but i would i would see it i would frame it almost as a benefit to him right it's like let's just do what you do best man like you are an offensive guy so play freaking offense and that and just have fun go out there use your skill use your brain do what it is you do and score points and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and i think he would be really really good at it um so yeah on one hand it is a concern insofar as like if you want him to be like an elite all-around hockey player that's kind of what holds him back but if but but you can work around i think you can work around it based on the other things he's got and if you kind of alleviate him of of some responsibility in certain ways uh with his role in the nhl Thoughts on Whitelaw and Barky, two of my favorite players on the draft. I like them both. Um, they're small, but they're really, really skilled, high-paced guys. Um, I thought Barky played really, really well at the top prospects game. I rewatched most of it uh, the other night. Um, Whitelaw, I think, is one of the most frustrating players in the draft, but I really like him. I want him to be a thing really bad. Um, but I think he's still kind of adjusting to the USHL style of play and – he doesn't really do the whole, like, you, like with Shattuck, he could kind of do whatever he wanted because he had other guys on on his team that could also just do whatever they wanted. And like Macklin Celebrini and, uh, Cole Eisenman. And I think that that kind of has changed. And I think he's kind of a little bit, a little bit lost, but in terms of the talent and the potential, it's enormous. Um, Barky, I think plays a much more selfless game, uh, a lot more intense at both ends. Um, but you know, like he's, he's, I find that he kind of struggles to, to evade pressure and, and get into the offensive zone with control and set up consistently, but boy, he is certainly a lot of fun to watch. Um, if you had to make a top 10 of the 2022 and 2023 draft, how would it look? Uh, Bedard, Fantilli, uh Cooley
1: Carlson mm, Shane Wright mm, Buh, Benson Who else?
0: Uh Slavkovsky? No. Lambert no Moore Lambert no Moore Michkov Lambert <laughs> Moore Michkov Lambert Slavkovsky Let's do that so Bedard Fantilli Uh Cooley
1: Carlson Wright Benson
0: Moore Mitchkov what? I feel like I missed one. Slavkovsky? Slif- oh God. Something like that. <laughs> oh, Lambert. So Moore, Mitchkov, Lambert, Slavkovsky. How about that? Maybe you're a check over Slavkovsky, but that's tight. I I probably would put Slavkovsky first. Um, What timelines do you see for high pick goaltenders? Askarov, Kosa, and Wallstead. I mean, I imagine Wallstead will compete for a job next season. Kosa, I think, will be another year away at least. Askarov, probably another year. Maybe he. Ch- I mean, I imagine he challenges for a job next year. But like, I never am a fan of promoting a young goaltender just to be a backup for a potential Vesna winner. Right? Like, you may as well. You may as well either trade Askarov if you're going to keep Soros indefinitely, or keep him in the AHL for another year, and and keep and like maybe you one A one B him with Soros if he's really good next year. But, I mean, it gives you the luxury of not having to rush him uh, rush him because he's Russian.
1: Ugh.
0: You should check out Valery Sokolov. oh, call Sokolov no huh? I'll look him up. Oh, I'm getting a bunch of violinists. Valery Sokolov. Oh, this guy was born in nineteen sixty four this guy oh a belorussian a five foot six defenseman oh you have my attention now eight points in 31 games in the Belarusian third division you have my attention now i want to see this guy uh hey will hello aslan do you think ratu becomes Canuc- the canucks best prospect over the karamaki yes but they're probably in the same tier like they're you know it's like one one two if you want to flip them around i don't care but I personally would put to ahead of, uh, of Larkaramaki, but it's very close. Thoughts on Corey Promden's latest ranking? Seems insane there's no Brindley or Peron in the top 35. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. Corey Promman usually puts out lists that makes people feel crazy, and... I mean, look, Gavin Brindley, I am on an island about Gavin Brindley. I mean, I am shocked that after the World Junior performance he had that nobody is still, nobody is giving him the time of day as a potential first round pick. Like I thought he was excellent at the world junior and Jaden Perron, like, yeah, he's got flaws. I think, I think he's got problems, but he's still a very talented offensive player, but he's small and lacks a lot of sort of high end, like really, truly high end skating ability. And I feel like that automatically downgrades him for a lot of people. But Brinley, I mean, I honestly think if Brindley just had 22 points instead of 17, he would be right up at the top of a lot of lists. Like he's, just, I think he's awesome, awesome, awesome hockey player. Uh, should Dragasevich become a forward? I wouldn't. I, I'm not against that idea. Uh, oh, Raybro, hello. Welcome to stay. <laughs> Remember to stay hydrated with a cup of water. Yeah, I do have that. I'm I'm sucking this back more. This pure life trash not the best carbonated beverage i've ever had. solid c. it's c. like if i was in jail and they served that, i'd be like, "oh, this is pretty luxurious." you know? like this is pretty decent, but i don't want it on the outside. i don't i don't want we have a whole case of it, but i don't want it. but i'm going to drink it anyway. i don't want to, but i'm going to drink it cuz it's there and i can't help myself. Um, have we talked about Josh Joshua today? We did very briefly in the context of Gabe Perot. I'm going to say that that counts and move on, Seb. What's with Braden Yeager? He seems very inconsistent. He's either very good or invisible or turns it over like crazy. Uh, well, it depends on what you mean by very good. Cause when I see Braden Yeager, I see a player who, when you say inconsistent, I say, well, there's certain things in the game that he does very well, but that list is relatively short at the, for, in terms of a top, 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 top NHL prospect but there are things that he does very well. I, 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 the data I have on him is extraordinarily mixed pretty much across the board. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, but it's, it's time where I circle back on Jaeger again. It's been a while, so I should probably do that soon. Um, and I will, but yeah, not ideal. Like again, am I going up in the top 10 drafting Braden Jaeger? Probably not. I, I feel like that would be a lot of risk and you're hoping for a lot of things to get better. I just have not seen it. Hey Will, how would you rate Musty in the Think category? Well, I can probably just tell you, because I think I have him rated already. Um, Musty. Oh, I don't. Um, it hasn't been that long since I watched him, but I would probably give him like a, I don't know, 2B? Something like that? Ish? maybe a one D something in that range. Uh, thoughts on Denton Matechuk's development. Honestly, I have not seen much of Matejchuk this year at all. So I can't give you a good answer on that. Do you think Adam Fantilli wins the Hobie Baker? I hope so. It'd be a lot of fun. He's been excellent. And the last game I did of him was excellent. Like the game I did of him this week was just like I did again with Dvorsky and Siernik. I did on the same day, I did a game of Carlson and then Fantilli never going to convince me that Leo Carlson should go before Adam Fantilli. You're never going to do it. I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. Um, Fantilli played fantastic. Carlson was much more quiet. Um, but Fantilli, he rocks. He's quick. He's skilled. He can shoot the crap out of a hockey puck. He can be physical. He's simplifying things when he needs to a little bit more from the last couple times I've seen him early in the year. He was trying to do too much on his own. He wasn't really taking good reads of the ice at the world junior. He kind of did that as well along the boards on the wing but the last game I did, I think, was the, one of the first games back since the World Junior, and he just looked great. So, yes, fully on board with the Fantilli thing, and I hope he wins the Holby Baker. I don't know who else could compete with him. I'm sure there's legitimate competitors for him, but I just want him to win. Uh, I know goalies aren't your specialty, but who do you see as the better goaltender for the future, Demko or Skinner? I am not answering that question. I have no idea. I've heard the I've heard rumors that QMJHL will look into reducing its number of teams in the post-Courtois era. The commissioner is retiring. If it happens, we might end up seeing a more competitive league. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think every CHL league needs to be a little smaller. Personally, I know I get it. Look, I know. Like I I I I have been to rural Ontario like countless times, and I know how important hockey is to communities that are outside the the GTA and everything. Like it is. A major major community focal point and losing an OHL team would be bad it would be bad but for the good of the game I get the feeling that if Canada wants to stay competitive they either need to institute some sort of national team program for the best of the best players in this country whisk them off to some hockey Canada development facility and they tour around Canada doing playing OHL, CHL teams, and then they after they turn eighteen, there's some draft. They go to their CHL teams and off they go, or you contract the leagues or whatever. But it's to me, it's way too diluted, right? Like the the CHL is just way too diluted, and Junior A to me, like Junior A should be a more attractive route for more players that would be normally in the CHL, right? To me, because like. Yes. On one hand, if you're a depth OHL person, like you get a bursary to go to a Canadian university. Great. Like that's, that's great. That's, that's awesome. Loves to go, love to go to school. If you go to junior, if you go to the junior a, like you can go to like a pretty good us college on a, on a us scholarship. And like, that could be an attractive option that, that like I mean, it's a more expensive piece of paper, but it's still just paying for a piece of paper. Like, I don't know. It's maybe two sides of the same coin, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like with kids and everything, like, you might, you might, it might not be so bad over the long term. Uh, Did you track Ty Mueller and Matt Capone? I watched them. I really liked Matt. I, I really liked Ty Mueller. Capone, I wasn't as sold on, but I really liked Ty Mueller. Uh, is Jeremy Wilmer finally worth a pick despite him being five, seven and very thin? I still am not sure. Wilmer is a guy that I certainly would invite to a camp. And if he goes through college unsigned, maybe an AHL deal, but I am still very skeptical of Jeremy Wilmer's NHL upside. Uh, any UFA to be NCAA guys caught your eye at this point in the season? Any upcoming derby this summer? That's a great question. I haven't really thought about it that much, but I'm sure there are some that I would recognize um i'm sure there are some that i would recognize i mean i doubt that ryan mcallister leaves early but he's a guy that i'd probably look at i've always liked austin swankler he's a guy who was on my list of uh re-entry players that should get drafted i liked him last year um he's not quite done college yet but he's a guy i might see who's who what's going on colin graf is another one that i really liked but again he might still have a few more years left in college before he leaves Um, is Matt Brown the same one I'm thinking? Yeah. Matt Brown, I've always been a fan of, and he might be a guy that I would give a contract to. Um, unless he wants to go back for a fifth season, but I've really liked Matt Brown over the years. I think he was on my list in 2017. Maybe. No, he wouldn't have been. But in 2018, I remember watching him or no 20. What was it? 2019 with Des Moines was when I first saw him and I thought he was awesome. Um, and he's been good in college the whole time. So he might be a guy that I look at. Um what else? Uh is that really why Austin Swankler could play in the NCAA because of an error? That's hilarious. I've been wondering about that, like literally for years with Swankler, but that is hilarious. Uh who else is on this list that might be an option? Um I mean, those are the names I think that come to mind, and I don't want to sit here scrolling through this list for an hour, so we'll say those guys just to follow up swankler brown and graf and i would see what they want to do mcallister as well maybe he wants to leave early i doubt it it's his freshman year he might want to stick around um how has your view on Ratu changed since being drafted it hasn't really changed i mean i always knew he was kind of flawed but i knew he was gonna score points and like i just i feel really good about my read on him because people were like oh he maybe is a mid-round pick you know i don't know if he's a first round pick i think he sucks and my whole thing was like well i watch him play and i'm just like man this guy i think he just needs a hug and a therapist like this guy this guy just he's i will never forget for the rest of my life well maybe maybe not the rest of my life but for a long time i will never forget watching atu ratu play in the liga he was in front of the net with a glorious scoring chance wide open net and he skied it from like five feet out it just like bloop up into space right And I just went, oh no, like, like this isn't what an elite goal scorer is supposed to look like. Like it just, it just, but it's like, it's not like he completely forgot how to play hockey at all. So for me, I mean, my read on him hasn't really changed. He's still sort of coming along. I think he's only 20, right? Like it's still early. Um, But he's done a lot better in the AHL than I thought he would. He got better in the, in the, in Liga, way faster than i thought he would it just took again i said he might need a new team he might need a, just a different setting to be in and it clicked it it seems to have clicked so cool and that was just something that was in my gut for the whole season of like i don't think he's actually that bad but he hasn't been great which is very strange do you think Nathan Villeneuve will be drafted next year? Yeah, well, I think so for sure. I I like Nathan Villeneuve, especially now in in Sudbury. Like they've changed their coach. I think he's gotten better over the course of the year. I watched a bit of him last year uh, for the OHL draft, and I wasn't over the moon about him. But uh, and I, then there was talk of him maybe being the top pick last year. Oh no, not the top pick, but one of them that wasn't named um, one of them, one of them that wasn't named uh, Michael Misa. But yeah, I think he'll get drafted next year for sure strathman or mccarthy strathman every day baby let it ride cowboy hockey who are some prospects you could see moving at the deadline perhaps disposable name for serious cup contenders Ooh, i don't know but i don't know i can't give you a good answer on that right now what did you think of barky from the knights i loved I love denver Barkey. i've seen i've liked him for two years uh i hope for the best for him i thought he played really well at the top top prospects game skilled fun to watch creative um not perfect but does a lot of fun stuff really well Oh, this is the question of the night. Best generation of Pokemon games. I'll be disappointed if you don't say three. Uh, Two. Gold and silver. Uh, Gold and silver uh, are are the best. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. I really, again, this might also be me in the minority. I really enjoyed Legends. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, It's nothing like other Pokemon games, but I like that. I mean, it's a game where when I'm on a flight and i just pull out my nintendo switch and i boot up arceus like hours just evaporate you know just and it's it's kind of like some of the gameplay is really frustrating like you know getting around from place to place can be cumbersome and annoying but once you sort of get your feet going the story is also terrible i don't even know what the story is i don't really care um but that's also the case with most pokemon games like who cares who gives a crap about the story but I like I, I, I like Arceus quite a bit. I liked X and Y. Um I liked X and Y, but he but uh but uh but but to me Gold and Silver takes the cake. I, I loved it. I I remember the I still remember the feeling finishing the first eight gym leaders and I think you went through a Pokemon league and then you got the chance to go through the original eight gym leaders. I I was I think twelve or thirteen years old. I might it might be one of the five happiest moments in my entire life when i when i realized that that was what was happening in that game i just could not believe it um and it was the coolest thing in the whole world and then you fought ash ketchum at the end and it's like oh that's the coolest thing ever with this like level 77 pikachu it was great i I had a ton of fun with those games i think i only played gen 3 very briefly and then after that i kind of fell off because i was playing cool games like call of duty modern warfare i'm just kidding i'm half joking mostly it was because i went to college and had no time to play video games at least at least for the first year second year i fell off the wagon and uh and got an xbox and that was it if the canucks do draft say around 14 what are some names you would hope to be there um sandin pelica simishev brindley guliaev would be fun in vancouver uh stenberg but that would be a reach maybe riley height Quinton Musty would be fun in Vancouver, too. There's going to be some fun options, for sure. Uh, are NTDP players overrated because their production is carried by teammates? Well, I mean, they're they're the best Americans out there for a reason. Um, I do think this year there's a strong group of non-NTDP Americans, for sure. But the best NTDP players, I think, this year are some of the best players in the world at this age. Um, Moore, uh, prob- more, I would say is up there. Smith, I'd say in certain areas is definitely up there too. Leonard, I'd say is a little further back, but he does some stuff really, really well, but like deeper down the list, um, deeper, deeper down the list. I think uh, deeper down the team, I think it drops off with this year's team. Like I'm not super high on any other defensemen. I kind of like Alex Weirmeyer at times. Sure. Uh, Ryan fine is fine. Uh, most of the time, I have him on my watch list now. He's been decent. Danny Nelson, sure, I don't mind him, but you know, if they're third, fourth round picks, I'm not sure I would do that. This week, Boston University and the prospects updated Lane Hudson's height to five ten. His bone growth thing, this thing, seemed to be real. Imagine that, huh? You know, like imagine players keep growing, and imagine like and again. Like, is that really is that really what everyone is so concerned about? Like. This is my, this, this is my Michael Scott Pez dispenser. This thing is maybe, maybe what, three inches tall? Like, well, maybe a little more, maybe four inches. You know, like I'm six feet tall. Take off a Michael Scott Pez dispenser from my head and I am five, eight. Is that really like what we're really that concerned about? Like to me, that just seems like, like this, this is what we're worried about this. There's no, there's no candy in here. Unfortunately, I ate, I ate it all. I ate it all. It is a big Pez dispenser. It's huge. It's, it's really big, but Michael Scott, he's, he's a big, big man. No, Steve Carell is short. I don't know. Whatever. You get my point. You get my point. Maybe we remove the head and it's maybe closer to three inches, right? I don't, I don't like where this discussion is going. So I'm going to keep moving on. Does Leo Carlson's choppy stride and hunch indicate a lack of lower body athleticism? Is that, if so, is that a big red flag? Eh, No, I don't think so. I do think his skating stride is kind of inefficient, but I get the feeling that the skill level he's got and the, and the physical resilience he's got is enough to make up for it. And like you can work on that stuff, you know. I don't know if it's so much a, you know, it's maybe more of a mechanical thing, but I don't think it's that much of a big deal personally. I think you take your time with with him, and you send him back to Sweden for a year. I think you'll be okay. Uh, who do you like for the Red Wings? Um, whoever you like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on where the Red Wings are drafting and who goes in front of them. I mean. I feel like Oliver Moore would make a good red wing. I've been waiting for them to land a person in the draft who can play up the middle, like with a Dylan Larkin style. Uh, they have a lot of wingers. They got a lot of defensemen. Like they've got a lot, but that depth up the middle, I think is still a bit lacking for Detroit. And I think a guy like Oliver Moore would really help. Um, especially he might be there in that range that they're drafting potentially. Uh, and after him, like there's not a ton of centers that I'd like really clamor for with really high upside personally. Me. Uh, what are the issues with Wood skating and how easy or hard do you think it'll be for him to, to improve? I mean, ugh, like it's, it's not great. Um, it's, it's just very clunky and not very efficient. It seems like he's not particularly strong in terms of forward strides. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I, I feel like with Wood, the skill level, the skill level is more of the problem. Like it's, it's, it's not, i don't know like i think he gets away with a lot just because of him being large and and doesn't panic under pressure um and has good body positioning i don't know it's gonna be tough it's it's a tough projection for him for me um but i feel like he's a guy who could just grow into his body and just get better and better every year and make me look silly um it's he's a tough one to read and uh i, I there's just other guys that have shown me more now Can you compare and contrast Carlson and Fantilli's play styles and player roles for both? I mean, they're both. I've said, I said this in my latest Substack, but if they, if they learned the, the, the best parts of each other's games, they would be amazing players. Fantilli with Carlson. I think Fantilli needs to play a little better under pressure. Um, Fantilli, you know, can skate himself into unwinnable situations a little bit much. Although the last game I did, he didn't do that nearly as much as I've seen him do it before. Uh and just play with a little more resilience um whereas uh Carlson is kind of the opposite where he has that resilience he he can play physical, he can challenge guys one on one confidently and and with one skill move, get through them and just drive through them with with pressure and body positioning. But the pace of his game is not nearly what Fantilli's is the The finishing ability just is not nearly what Fantilli's is in my opinion. um, it's good but they both like, if I could mash them together into one hockey player, uh, not only would he be 12 feet tall, but, um, he'd be tremendous. I think, uh, I know you probably answered this, but who do you see the Canucks drafting with their firsts? I, again, I don't know. I like, so much depends on who goes in the draft. What, like I would personally love to see a guy like Andrew crystal in Vancouver. I'd love to see a guy like, uh, Dmitry in Vancouver. I'd love to see Gavin Brindley in Vancouver i like the vancouver canucks i love their aesthetic they, they they're a fun team to watch when they're good vancouver canucks fans are amazing so i just would love to see them figure it out and i don't really care what it takes just draft good players who are fun and and bring some fun back to vancouver uh how many michael mccarron and logan browns of this world have been drafted to finally see a tage thompson flourish a lot a lot and that's why the talk about the next tage thompson is always kind of silly will await words of wisdom if available on some unknown and possibly unlikely to be drafted guys anthony romani james petrovsky and deegan mcmillan mcmillan i actually watched petrovsky and mcmillan this week i think you mentioned them last week um i don't know mcmillan i'm not sold really i don't i didn't see much there some decent skill decent shooter but not a, a WHL. i'm clamoring for petrovsky uh, i'm trying to he was the guy that played for flint and got traded i believe right uh let me double check that um yeah so he's with Owen sound now again i just came away thinking he was fine i wasn't really blown away with what i was seeing out of petrovsky can't really tell you what i liked or didn't like he just was a capable ohl defender and uh again like who are they gonna bump out of the way on my list for me to draft that i like there aren't that many guys can you name the three players outside the first round that if you're a scout at the GM table, you're banging the table for? Uh, yeah, um, Timur Mukhanov, Gavin Brindley, uh, Otto Stenberg, if he's there, Alex Siernik, if he's there, Luke Pinelli. There's going to be a lot this year, I think. Fisker Molgaard is another one, Oscar Fisker Molgaard. Um, but like pounding the table in the second round, if they're there, I mean, Crystal, if he's there, 100%. Peron, Brindley, Mukanov, and Stenberg, I would say are the guys where if they're in the second round, I'm 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 pounding the table. Uh where do you see the next big talent drop off after the top four? Um I'd say twenty-ish is where it kind of like becomes very wide. That's usually the case every year. I just think this year's top twenty is very good. Um, and then it kind of goes into a big group of very interesting players and then it kind of drops off in like the early mid second kind of thing. Uh, you're named leader of the free world scout and command. Oh, that's a terrible idea. I don't know who did that, but that's a bad idea. After ending all wars, ending world hunger and fixing the environment, what are the three things you would do to make junior hockey in North America better? Oh my God. Um, Well, I mean, if I'm king of the world and I can do whatever I want, I would abolish the NHL draft and make NHL teams have the ability to have their own academies, like European sports. Basically take the NHL and turn it into a Premier League model. Like transform the sports hierarchy into a, a a a an English football or international or club football style thing. Um where you have reserve teams that play each other, teams can sign players, teams can swap players, you know, I mean obviously you'd need other rules, but I, I mean it to me, junior hockey in North America, I think the states are doing it pretty well as is. You know, you've got twenty, sixteen, twenty teams, a national program Canada, 60 teams is just too many, especially when you also have Junior A on top of it. It's just a lot. And I also feel like it is very strange that we have drafts for 15 and 16-year-old boys to send them wildly different locations than what they're used to just to play hockey. To me, I think that's wrong. Um, And I feel like we should have either CHL teams with academy systems that they nurture their own talent with and can sell players to other teams or whatever uh or the nhl absorbs them that's that's what i would do not draft eligible guys but are you familiar with Ryland mosley or david cillier no i am not but i will write their names down and give it a check um how fun would it be if we get chl versus ushl champion i'd love it i'd, I'd love it i would love to see uh, a u.s canada junior super series too they used to do canada russia I don't know why they're not doing Canada US, uh, thoughts about people complaining about gas prices. Um, I, I don't know. I don't give a, I don't give a crap about gas prices. Like, I don't know. They're not that bad these days. Is it like, I don't know. Like if gas is a buck 20 a liter and if gas is a buck 40 a liter, like the difference in your final bill is like, let's say you have a 40 liter gas tank. That's 20 cents a liter. 40 times, 40 times 20 is six. That's like a, no, that can't be a $6 difference. Anyway, I'm losing track of where I'm going here. Um, but I don't know. I feel like in this day and age, gas should be expensive. Like tax gas, right? We tax cigarettes to the teeth. I know gas is important for the functioning of an economy, but you know, you could, you could put that money to good use. And, and here in Ontario, they've suspended gas taxes for quite a while things in Ontario aren't going so great. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe it might be time to, you know, uh, encourage, uh, moving off of guzzling gas. And there's a lot of cars out there that are just not built to be very fuel efficient, uh, that people are just ripping around in. But anyway, uh, explain the plus four bump for Dvorsky. I think we went over that. Is Chalet a high floor, low ceiling type player? I think the opposite, Uh, he, I don't know. There's a chance he doesn't play, I think, but I, I still have faith. Um, maybe not a high ceiling, but like a moderate ceiling, low floor. Uh, will Justin Gill get drafted? Yes. I know the Q sucks, but guys who produce like this and they're plus two tend to get drafted. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't do it. I, I am never a fan of drafting plus two guys out of the CHL. They got to go straight into the AHL. Um, And again there's always going to be guys that are 17 18 years old that i will draft ahead of a guy that's 19 against junior competition in canada um did you watch any of the world juniors division three actually did i no i think i watched some 2a i watched the croatian team a few times i think i watched 2b a little bit but it wasn't very good NHL players that would be great heels in pro wrestling. Brad Marchand's the easy one. Uh, Trevor Zegris, maybe. I don't know. Even crazier is that the Islanders negotiated for protections. Okay. We're talking about that. Uh, whatever. Uh, 30 seconds getting report on Brinley. We've kind of talked about him a lot. I'm also kind of just racing through these cause I'm losing my, I'm losing my voice here. Um, Oh my goodness. Uh, Sandy Pelica, NHL comparable. And is he a lead? Who should the Canucks next captain to be? I mean, the next captain of the, of the, of the Canucks probably should be Elias Pedersen. Um, but there's no rush. If I'm Vancouver, I go with four assistants and just let the team figure it out. There's no rush. Uh, but who's Sandy Pelica's NHL comparable? Hmm. It's
1: a good question. Uh, Maybe Quinn Hughes? Something
0: like that? Maybe? I don't know. Uh best hands in the draft outside of Bedard. I'd say either Will Smith or maybe Matvey Mitchkov? Maybe? Uh where do you see Denver Barkey going? Third round, maybe? Fourth round? Nick Patan is a great example of a player who didn't get the proper chances to develop into an NHL player. He played bottom six minutes and had great results and couldn't catch a break and then ended up in the minors forever. Uh, thoughts on Prondman's rankings. Thoughts on Marco Rossi. I Again, promin's rankings are just his thoughts. Like, it's fine. I disagree with a lot of it, but he his, his opinions are just as valid as mine. Maybe more because he actually goes to games and he's in the rink. Um, but, you know, thoughts on Marco Rossi. I hope for the best for him. I don't even know how he's been since going back to the minors, but I'm going to stand Marco Rossi forever and ever, uh, until I have passed on from this life. Um, but yeah, how's he doing? Yeah. I mean, he's over a point per game in the AHL this season. That's pretty good. I don't think there's any rush. Leave him in the AHL for the rest of the year. Just keep letting him just go, 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 go reset next season. That's what I would say. I thought he looked good in the NHL this year, but just things weren't going his way and I, I am hopeful. Everyone talks about Mitch IQ. What kind of NHL player does he remind you of? Uh, I don't know. Small Kovalchuk. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. With Mitchkovs. I don't know. Again, with, with the word IQ, I hate it. I hate the phrase IQ. Like, what are you talking about? Right? Like, what do you mean? Like, it's like when someone says someone doesn't skate very well. It's like, well, what do you mean? There's like, nine different scenarios where skating can mean a number of different things, right? When I look at um, I I see a player that comes and goes when it comes to when and how to make plays around the ice. I see a guy who challenges players one-on-one constantly and doesn't win a whole lot of times. It's fun when he does, but he doesn't win every time, and I feel like that's not something that shows really high hockey sense. But... When he doesn't have the puck, he knows how to get into space in the offensive zone, make himself a scoring threat. He knows when to bury it. He knows when to just keep it simple and and not be uh, complicated and and everything. So that all sounds good to me. Um, Could you, uh, oh, and the next question, could you give me a sales pitch on Fantilli over Michkov? I mean, Adam Fantilli is bigger. That's one thing. He's more physical, which helps, but his hands are great. He has a great shot as well. He's a good setup man. From pretty much anywhere in the offensive zone like especially along the boards and a perimeter guy he's just a great north south guy you give him the puck in the defensive end he can get into the offensive end for you and and do it with control mitchkov i'm not nearly as sold on his capability to do that i think mitchkov is much more of a guy you surround with guys that can play with high pace and he's the guy that is the the principal finisher i will say he's also been a lot better with sochi than what i have seen before um the last game i saw of him of him was great and um but i still think that fantilly in terms of an nhl player all situations really just you pat him on the back and you know what you're going to get out of him every single shift i think that puts him ahead of mitchkov for me um whereas mitchkov you know he might score more goals you know like if you put him on a power play he might score more goals but i still feel like the overall output from fantilly will be just more valuable is it possible goyaev drops out of the first round yes which player in your top 10 falls to the second round um probably crystal of anybody crystal uh jets have a habit of keeping an eye for value that falls in the draft who do you think fits that mold um luca Pinelli might be one uh i mean it's also i mean it's hard to tell right like i don't know who's gonna slip in the draft before the draft happens Otto Stenberg comes to mind, um, Edward Chalet, maybe, I don't know, it's hard to tell this early. Um, why does Ottawa never take Russians and Tampa never take Swedes? Is that just a regional scouting weakness or those teams feel those guys drafted later won't ever come over? I don't know the answer to that, um, I don't know the answer to that. It's probably a personnel thing, um, but I don't know. Best second round defenseman, uh, Wollander, I would say Molendyk if he's there, uh, Kegoni if he's there, Dvorak, Bo Akey and Matthew Mania are pretty good, Andrew Strathman could be a nice pickup in the second round, Arvid Bergstrom, Caden Price might be a nice high upside bet in the second round, even if he hasn't been great this year, I still think there's something there. Um... why do you think, uh, who do you think will be your highest ranked undrafted player come June? I mean, right now it's Dylan Herkoyan, but maybe Cole Knubel, maybe Eric Polkamp. I don't know. It's Nikolai Hvorov is also pretty good. Maybe him too. I don't know. Do you think with the Canadian youth scandals, there is an opportunity to reform the overall system? Having a bunch of parallel leagues versus additional higher and lower divisions seems like a mistake. Yes, I agree. Um, maybe I doubt it because again, you're dealing with communities and Canada is also very, very big and everywhere in Canada loves hockey. So you don't want teams in St. John's having to fly all the way to Vancouver to play. That just doesn't make sense. There's just no money for that. I mean, maybe there is, I don't know. CHL teams keep their books pretty closed, but I feel like that's not a very conducive way to to play hockey. Um, so for me, I get the, I, I, to me, I feel like we should have like three leagues of 12 teams, you know, keep it small, keep it tight, You have the rivalries, you know, you, it sucks that you lose some of the communities, but you, you keep, you know, I don't know, maybe even split them in half and have a promotion relegation system. If you really want to do that, that could be fun, but I definitely do think that there should be like more concentrated talent at the top end of junior hockey in, in this country. Uh, the most shocking reach since you've started doing this. Boucher, Chinikov, Mukhamadulin, or someone else. I'd say Boucher, uh, Tyler Boucher. I never in a million years would have thought, ah, you know what? Yegor Chinikov at 21 or whatever it was. He's probably shocking. He was probably the most shocking there. Who has dropped the most over the season on your list? Caden Price. I think I legitimately thought Caden Price was going to be the best defenseman in this draft. And he absolutely has not been that. Uh, if you were to, if it were up to you, would you eliminate the seventh round of the draft? Uh, no, I don't really mind it. It's fun. You you get an extra chance to draft a guy. It's cool. Um, did Elias Pettersson stand out to you at the world juniors? Not that one, the one by drafted by the Canucks. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, meh, not really here and there a little bit, but not really. Did you end up checking out Linus Lindgren? Not yet. I apologize for the, what, third week in a row, but I promise... I will get to Linus Lindgren. I've been meaning to, but I have not seen him. Are the Canucks re-signing Aiden are the Canucks gonna re are re-signing Aiden McDonough? I don't know. I, I have no idea. If the Habs had, let's say, the fifth and thirteenth overall pick, who could they realistically get that would have the potential to be a top line top pair player, player? I I don't know. I mean, maybe uh Oliver Moore or Matvey Michkov and Sandine Pelica and or, or Dmitry Simashev or Mikhail Guliaev. Maybe not Guliaev, but those two. Oli Jokinen is Eukerit's coach. Really helped Ratu, Houten, and Puistola and Liam Kirk for development. Good to see him. Most European pro coaches don't give a crap about young players. That's true. Good for him. Oli Jokinen. Who would have thought? Uh, is Lane Hudson on track to be an elite offensive defenseman in the NHL? Maybe not elite, but very good. I get the feeling he's going to be very good. Uh, Benson's 5'9 and an average skater bro from Grant McKay. Okay, I don't know, whatever. Uh, looking at the numbers, Bedard is scoring just as fast or even faster than McDavid in the CHL. McDavid also played with the Brinkett and Strom. What do you think it says about Bedard? Uh, I think it's great. I, I mean, Bedard, it's, he's Connor Bedard, right? Like, I mean, he's been fantastic all season. He's been better since coming back from the World Junior. Um, I think the World Junior kind of gave him a shot in the arm. It must've, where it's like, oh, I can do all these other things, uh, and, and, and not just do everything myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, is he a more impressive player than Connor Connor McDavid at the same age? I, I, th- I again, I I think they're in the same cut from the same cloth, but I get the feeling that McDavid, you know, like is Connor Bedard gonna be the best player in the NHL one day? I think he's gonna be the could be the best scorer in the NHL one day, but I still really just can't imagine someone better than Connor McDavid at the NHL level. Like that guy seems like a cheat code. And Bedard might be an offensive cheat code, but I don't know if it'll be the same. Uh, But we'll see. I can't say it's impossible. Should the Canucks take Sandy and Pelika at 8? You know what? Just because... Yes. We'll say yes. On your list, how do you update the stats? Uh, I have a Python program that just fetches stuff uh, from Elite Prospects, and then I manipulate a little bit on the back end uh, and update it uh, every couple of days. Usually early in the year I'm doing it every day, but I I usually update it every couple of days um, on my on my list now. Should drafting Keenan Draper be a fireable offense? No, but you know this is a, this is how it works, right? Like this is how it goes. That is how the world works. That's you know they take the Bo Burnham song and add a bunch of hockey stuff in it. It's pretty much the same. Pretty sure they don't do CHL versus USHL and NTDP because the NCAA considers CHL pro and it's illegal for NCAA junior teams to play pro teams. I mean, I guess, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Thoughts on Zane Perek. I really like him. I I liked him a lot last year watching him uh, in in AAA. I I liked him a lot. I like Zane Perek quite a bit. I think he could be one of the more impressive offensive defensemen next year. Um, He's good. Uh, what was your take on Daniil Klimovic in 2021? And has it shifted? I wasn't a huge fan of Klimovic and no, it has not shifted. I mean, he's been okay in the AHL. Um, I thought it was a reach when they drafted him there. Um, pretty big one. I still think there's a ways to go for him. Any decent defensive defensemen? Yeah, there's a few. We've spoken about them earlier. I mean, I put Reinbacher in there. Uh, Simishev could play good defense, but also good offense. Tom Willander, Jakub Dvorak all those ones all come to mind. Theo Lindstein, in a sense. Uh, I see a lot of Hudson and Luke Hughes discourse. Who do you prefer? I take Luke Hughes, but Hudson's pretty good. <laughs> uh, did you talk about Atu Ratu? Yes, I did. Uh, Ottawa once drafted Yashin. Tampa Bay once drafted Hedman. Yeah, we're talking years ago. Did Tia Hitche- does Tia check get drafted? No, I don't, I don't think so. He hasn't had the best season this year. I always love him. I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Yuri Tia check, and I hope that one day one day an nhl team gives him a chance somehow um but i don't think he gets drafted unfortunately but it is probably about time to go after uh go and check him out anyway i'm gonna call it a night guys that's two hours and 15 minutes i gotta go uh thank you very much for joining me this was a lot of fun again thank you to the sponsors of the show mckean's hockey um marcus gustison's blue line hockey iq program you can get 10 percent off with the coupon code scouching uh at blue hockey iq program.com Uh, and you can scan the QR code above my head or use the, uh, description link to use my Fanatics affiliate code. So, uh, if you want to get anything for you or someone you enjoy the company of in your life or your worst enemy, for whatever reason, feel free to use that code. I'll get a little kickback and it supports the channel. So thank you very much. Uh, all the best. I am getting my, my COVID bivalent vaccine next Tuesday. So that'll be fun. Hopefully I don't, uh, hopefully I don't, um, hopefully I make it to next Thursday's stream. Cause I would love to be here, but, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you very much for joining me. We'll see you next week. Uh, all the best and, uh,